Should Sekiro have an easy mode? Let's talk about it. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you guys episode 105. 106. Yes. 106. You know what's funny is right, you know that little time period we have, like the eight seconds of the intro playing? I was like, what episode is this? I actually thought of that too, and I was like, it's episode 105 because we talked about the last episode, how it was exactly two years worth of episodes. But it and was I was like, it was the episode before that. that. I haven't had a chance to go back behind and listen through us again on the newer one, and that's where I typically take a mental note. Okay, been I've got a busy to. week for me. Well, if this is your first time joining us, we are Triangle Squared, a PlayStation-based podcast. If you want to watch us in video format, you can do so on YouTube every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST. If you like what we're doing over there, subscribe, hit the bell notification. It'll let you know when these videos go live, like we said, every Monday for these. And then our reader mails every other Friday, as well as some other stuff we have coming up soon. Uh, if you like what we're talking about and you want to throw your own two cents in or be part of the uh, community's take section that we have started doing on the show, uh, then you can do so by commenting down the, in the section below. We love hearing your thoughts. You know, we'll, we'll either talk with you back there or, or bring it back up either way in the uh, community uh, community's take section. If you want to listen to us in audio format only, you can also do so there. We've got you covered. You can do so on Apple or Android devices, computer, it doesn't matter, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music. You can find us pretty much anywhere. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, because listening to the audio doesn't give you options to comment, you can let us know your thoughts on these episodes and uh, t- participate in the community's take uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Twitter at Triangle SQRD is our handle. And the Facebook group is Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. If you ask to be uh, accepted, we will gladly do so. Uh, Saul won't be on there, but you'll see me. Saul does not have a Facebook because he's probably a smart person. Um, but, you know... Facebook is evil, an odd necessity for for this, but it's okay. I mean, I don't really mind having one. I don't focus on it too much, but in terms of my personal one, but we try and do what we can in the other one. If you want to look at our day-to-day, moment-to-moment life, uh, except for this weekend when I was out of town, I was off of Discord completely, but you can join our Discord. It's in the description below. Uh, you can find the link to that invite, so you can be added in. And if you would like to support the show and anything we do, be it from a dollar to help get us covering all the cost of it, be it new technology or covering the hosting cost for the show, or offering up 5 or $7, depending on your region, for custom cases and whatnot, and early access to shows, which is also given at the $1 tier, just to keep that in mind, uh, then consider doing so by clicking on the Patreon link we have down below. It's www.patreon.com slash nartech. If that is all, which I think it is, Saul, I think it's time to move into the normal opening of the show. What's been up to? I really I didn't talk to anybody all weekend besides the people that I was immediately in uh, in front of. So what'd you do this weekend? What'd you do uh, gaming-wise throughout the week? What you been playing? Uh, I did, coincidentally, get to play a, a good chunk of Sekiro. I got to the last boss. I'm currently on it. I haven't really had a lot of time to go back through an attempt, except a couple of times today. But even today, I've been kind of doing stuff around the apartment, kind of spring cleaning of such. So not a whole lot of time today, probably more so tonight. Uh, I'll hopefully be beating the game, but other than that, I did get to jump on on Thursday night uh, with my good buddy Joseph, and we played some Destiny 2 just to kind of hang out and enjoy some of that and do some of the newer stuff, but that's kind of been it. I did download GTA 5 on PC, 
Haven't really got to play a lot of it yet. Uh, I downloaded it for like the role play thing that's that's being widely uh, streamed by viewers. I mean by Twitch uh, streamers, and um, yeah, it seems like a fun time. So I downloaded that last night. I tried to get into it, uh, but I, the software I was using for my DS4 wouldn't work properly uh, with the mod. So like I'm gonna go out and buy an Xbox controller today and jump into that. But that's kind of it. What about you? Um, I did dip back into Sekiro, uh, cause you know, last time we talked about the, the key segment that I'd came into. So I got to, uh, I decided because of the situation at hand, I did technically fight the butterfly, Lady you know, butterfly. Lady butterfly. And, um, then I, she killed me, which is fine. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to go back and do the ogre first. Cause it seems like it's supposed to kind of be the first boss. It's supposed to kind of, it, it's up to you really, but like you can it does encourage you to zip back and forth between areas. Yeah. Well, cause you can pretty easily. Yeah. So, um, I did that. I went back and finally found him, did some stuff, uh, and have not been able to beat him. Uh, a little bit of the magnetism thing. I definitely see it. And it only seems on the one where he specifically lunges at you. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be on any of the other ones. And I, it feels, are you using the flame vent? Yes. Okay. And I noticed if you if you time it just right, you can keep, you can stop him from even doing that move. Yeah. It does take some timing. I've gotten to where I was just shy of it working. Like right when the fire was hitting him, he went ahead and grabbed me. He, he's um, one of the kind you kind of want to be aggressive on. I yeah, and I've tried. I realized that because there's been a couple of times. It's one of those weird things where he was throwing me around because like you know he'd get me from one of those lunge grabs and then he'd throw me off the mountain and that's how I would die every time and it was starting to really annoy me. Because uh, that only it, happened to me once, actually. It, it's happened to me every time he's gotten me in that grab. Lure him he throws down me. the stairs. That's what I was doing, and he's still throwing you off. It's the because mountain. of the direction that he ends up getting. Yeah, me. that's it. You, it's like I, I end up having to because when he grabs you, he throws you down and then back. It's almost like I'm going to have to fight him on the side that I could fall off of. That way, when he grabs me, he's going to throw me towards the wall. That way, I won't fall. Well, but, a, a tip for you and anybody else who plays the game who is stuck on that particular mini boss, you can actually stealth kill him. And knock off half his health. So clear now, through the that's four enemies. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, and let him pop out. Or do some damage to him, and then if you run away, that it does the same thing that all Souls game has done, where they forget and but he'll he's not reset. Up. So yeah. then you can go up behind him where the spear guy is, and then eventually you can uh, just wait for him to kind of walk into your view when you're perched up on the ledge, and then just target him, jump off, and then you can have a death blow. Yeah. So it's half health there. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea. I may try that. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later when we go into the main topic. Uh, with that said, though, I also played, uh, let's see, uh, more Anthem. Uh, I just This kind of happened that way. Um, I'm pretty sure this happened after the thing. I went back and got the Platinum in Far Cry, uh, Far Cry New Dawn. Uh, so I finished that up with Josh. Thank you, Josh, for helping me out. And he got it shortly after I got off. And y'all um, like it better than five. I do personally, okay. yes. I think he's, and I'm done thing. with it. So if you want to borrow it, uh, I, there's somebody I I can't remember who it was that uh, I said that I would help them if it came to it. But you're also right on the street, so if it comes to it, I can just go grab the game from you. But if there's a time where you have a law and you want to borrow it, feel, feel more than free to do so. I got it for twenty bucks. It seems hardly worth trading in because it's not going to get that much. And yeah. It's an all right game. Um, don't yeah, know that I'll play you got it again. for twenty bucks, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm saying so it seems eh, to even worry about trading in um, at that point. But uh, I played that. I played... Uh, oh, I started Hollow Knight. I decided that that was going to be my thing. There you go. I started Hollow Knight, got through... Uh, I have defeated... Um, oh, Lord, of course, I'm going to forget her name. 
because of the weekend I've had. And I just got back in today, so I'm a little hazed because I drove a, a lot this weekend and, and drove in today. Uh, but the Hornet, is that was that her name? Uh, the, the, yes. The one in the new game is going to be based um, on Right? The one who has the needle? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what her name is now. But I, yeah, you're right. It's something Hornet. Okay. Anyway, uh, I, I beat her and uh, trying to figure out where to go next. I've done a couple of things where I've been looking at areas. The game is incredibly fun. I do wish it had slightly more in-depth combat, but I'm hoping that that's actually revealed later in the game as I add more mechanics to different things. Um, and, is her name just Hornet? Yeah, it is. Wow. I, for some reason, thought there was another name, like another, like a surname or something. Huh. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I'm wondering if the combat's going to get a little more fleshed out. It looks like there's going to be changeable weapons due to the way the game has a weapon slot, but it may just be there. Don't tell me. I, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say nothing I'm, about I'm it. curious to see. I'm going to let you experience that. I played about nine hours of the game, I'd say. Maybe eight. I don't know. Uh, but I've been really enjoying it. It's got great atmosphere, great art style. Uh, I love the hand-drawn look. It really reminds me of the time that I had um, with the game that had the Eldritch edition just come out, uh, Sundered. Um, oh. The, the game by Lotus, um, whatever their name is. Yeah, you made a custom case. Thunder for, Lotus, for I think. Sundered. Yeah, yeah, I love that game. Really good. I love that art style. Being able to take that really heavily-looking hand-drawn thing and move it and put it into motion, it's one of the biggest uh, pulls for Cuphead for me as well. I think it's beautiful to look at something that just does not look like a game in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And the biggest way to do that is to do something that has that hand-drawn feel to it. Uh, and doesn't look like it's so drawn. So it's very stylistically pretty. The soundtrack is beautiful. It's gorgeous. I, I'm really curious. I wish I would have gotten around to playing this last year because I think it actually would have contended with uh, with Dead Cells and oh, um, yeah. and Death's Gambit. Yeah. See, now you can see how, when me and Corey were telling you how long the game actually is, you can kind of see what we mean by that. Well, because it's a game that's kind of like what I had with Sundered. Like, when I went into it, it's a game that the amount of time it takes you to just figure things out and explore as much as you want is the amount of time it's going to take. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it is really interesting. And navigating those, those Metroidvanias like that can be kind of difficult too, because yeah. it's almost not to say in a negative way, but the repetitiveness of the map can throw you off. Sometimes you can think you're in one section of the map or definitely from the way the game starts. So like mechanically speaking, I, I found this to be very odd, but I liked it from a progression standpoint because when I finally got it, it felt like I had gotten progress. I got progress some yeah. and earned it. Uh, but you know, once you get the ability to get a map, not only do you have to buy the map, which from is already corner, right, for, yeah. uh, you also, you just have the map. Then you've got to visit the areas and it doesn't update in real time. You have to rest and then you draw into the map. I like it from a mechanical, also from like a realistic standpoint. I'm like, well, you wouldn't be updating your map. And you have to fly. find them again too. Exactly. And you can't even update your map until you go by Quill. Yep. You have to go, every area has a separate map. Uh, to see anything on the map, you have to buy these little waypoint things from the map shop uh, and be able to see yourself. And luckily also those are takes cheap, up a, I use a lot of those. Yeah. But also it takes up a slot for you to see yourself. On the map. Yeah. Which I just did that's, before I stopped playing. Yeah, that's that's one of the most... I think that's always the first thing I do on that map whenever I buy it again. Like, whenever I go like, play through the game again, that's yeah. the first thing because it makes it so much easier it's good. to realize where you're at. It's, it, it's really interesting to be able to see where you're at in relation to everything else because sometimes you'll re you don't realize how far off or how the, close the to something you actually massive. are. It is. Like the uh, actual map of the game or the the level. And like you're talking about, sometimes it's not monotony. I don't know how to describe the word, but yeah, the map design can throw you off sometimes and you can tell it was on purpose. And there's been a lot of times where I went like an hour of playing without seeing a bench and I was like, how do I keep missing these benches? And then I'd, I'd go somewhere and it was just under one of the areas I'd went through. I was like, yeah. damn, if I only would have thought I could have gotten a rest point 
And it would have been a lot that's, easier. That's the genius. And, like, that's why people say that, like, Dark Souls is one of the best 3D Castlevania renditions sure. there ever is. Because, like, you that's can the miss same everything. thing. I did that three or four times in Sekiro or Sekiro where I was, like, looking. And luckily you can see the little symbol, like the little uh, circular symbol of the uh, yes. shrines yes. Uh, through walls in some areas. And I was, like, I was looking around. I'm, like, I had no idea that was even there. The one you get before, to fight Chained Ogre, right there where you spawn to fight Chained Ogre, yep. is, is missable. So I actually got the trophy just like two days ago. And how it ties into the verticality of the game from yeah. a 3D aspect. But yeah, it, it, to me, I think playing Hollow Knight has been one of those things where it's been really enjoy, like, in, enjoy, I think enjoyful, was I was going to say. But I, I've been very, enjoy, very much enjoying it. But more importantly, uh, it, it highlights exactly why, even on a remote play, and this is a weird thing, the UI is set up perfectly for remote play. Because, you know, a lot of games when you remote play, the UI doesn't scale adequately. Right. So it looks weird, and you kind of have to just put up with it, even though the rest of the visuals are fine. The UI is so big in that game that it looks right in remote play, and it's all readable. That's the... And it just, when I was playing it on Vita, I was like, why? And I know that they had to they had to have weighed the pros and cons against it. They put it on Switch. They're not against putting it on handhelds. They have probably looked at the market. I'm just really surprised, because... Games like that and indies like that do really well in the Vita, and I feel like there's a crowd that would hop on that game, definitely considering that game's already a year old. They would have hopped on it last year. I'm curious as to why they decided against it, and if it was due to just not wanting to deal with the technological barriers of trying to port a game over. Uh, it's probably that plus the... the... Well, because Vita has a lot of outdated stuff, and it doesn't support a lot of engines, so you have to you have to... You have to literally port it into a new engine to get it yeah. to work. And it's probably weighing all that versus uh, the business side of things, like how much money you could potentially sure. make on, on the Vita that wasn't exactly populated. And the other the side of, of that is how massive this game is for how cheap it is. The game was what? fifteen ninety nine. Yeah. It's crazy. There's other games that are a lot shorter. Uh, what's what's the uh, wrestling game? Uh, Guacamelee. Guacamelee is more expensive and a shorter game. And yeah. honestly, uh, less content. Both are good. They have their own places. But I find that interesting that that game, I got, the, I mean, I think the game's even down to $10 now. Um, Probably so. But it's just, it's a really interesting situation. I'm glad I've got to start it up and I love the game so far. And despite the fact that I can't play it on Vita natively, I'm kind of bouncing between playing it on PS4 and playing it on Vita. Partially because right now I'm using my Slim Vita. And I really do. The game has got so much darkness in it that. Popping on the OLED, it looks really good with because the contrast between the blacks that are pure black on the OLED. So if I was using remote play on my original Vita, it'd probably be a closer experience, but I'm not. So yeah, yeah you know, makes sense. But yeah, with that said, I think that's all I've played because then right after that we had to go out of town. I had some other stuff I had to do this week, so pretty good one. But um, I guess what we'll say real quick is instead of going directly into the community's take like we normally would right here, uh, due to the community's take being a poll on Twitter, basically, about well, the subject and of the topic. I'm okay with it being a poll moving forward in general, but what it is for me is that I think how persistent this topic has stayed, it's something that came up when Sekiro first released, and it's just stayed and stayed and stayed in the talk. It's so I think it's to the point about. where it's, it's pertinent that we get around to talking about it at this point because we've not really said much about it. And I think at this point, it's worth going ahead and talking about it in full length. Uh, and we got a pretty good response from the community's take with a lot of different ideas. There's, uh, I want to explore the reasons that people do and don't believe that it should and shouldn't, that games in general, or Sekiro specifically in this case, should or should not cater to... Um, people who are of lesser ability for whatever reason it may be um time 
disability, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, there's a number of things that can keep you from, from playing a game that's hard and these non-difficulty things. So that's something we'll get into in a little bit. But for now, I guess we're going to go ahead and just do what we used to do and just go right into the uh, drop and then we'll hit news up and uh, go from there. Sure. So for those that don't know, the drop is this week's weekly releases across all platforms, PlayStation. We have Airport Simulator 2019 up for us. Forced first for PS4. We have Constructor Plus for PS4. Dangerous Driving for PS4. That's the Burnout game. That's the from the Burnout devs. Is it really? I yeah, was curious. The about people that. who founded Criterion left made that thing, and they made one other game that was similar to that. That's included with that game when you buy it. Um, it's Unreal Four. It looks good, but it also is a low budget game, so yeah. it's, it's kind of like a balance. But I'm, I think I'm going to try it out when I get time. Hmm. Go ahead, though. Uh, no problem. Yeah, we have Dark Quest 2 for PS4, Earth Defense Force Iron Rain for PS4, Falcon Age for PS4 and PSVR. Looks dope. Ghost 1.0 for PS4, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy for PS4. Saul's picking, picking that up for Switch 100%. <laughs> we have Royal Roads for PS4, Shadow Gate for PS4, Super Weekend Mode for PS4 and PS Vita, a digital cross-buy title. We have Ultra Wings Flat for PS4, Vapor Rum for PS4, and Zanky Zero Last Beginning for PS4. And that's it for this week. So if you guys are interested in any of those games, always comment and let us know which ones y'all are picking up. All right, let's see. Time to move over into the news with my dying laptop, but that's fine. Okay, first thing I want to do, and this will kind of act as a faux community's take, um... All right, yeah, I say that. It's just going to kind of clean up as uh, tie into the last episode. So, cleaning up the lingering unknown info from last week's episode, we now know that Borderlands 3 is coming September 13th of this year, as well as what the cover art will look like and the versions of the game available, though the Diamond Collector's Edition has been sold out, sadly. Uh, we got to meet our four new vault hunters in the way of May, uh, Moe's the Gunner. Um, I'm probably supposed to be. Con- pronounced flack but fl4k uh the Beastmaster, which is the robot song. that's my character yeah it looks so beautiful i love it so it's probably gonna be mine too but we'll see how that goes uh amara is the siren and zane the operative and saw more of our villains the calypso twins lastly we know that the game will have four campaign dlc packs which is a staple of the series at this point and a season pass will be available including access to these four as well as the butt stallion weapon skin trinket and grenade mod um Saul, you have any extra thoughts on that? I mean, we you know we talked a little bit last episode. Uh, you you kind of ended up here as a separate topic, but still tied into the Borderlands thing about extra content and what it is for games. But you know, an interesting thing about that, and just as a counterpoint to that, obviously games like Borderlands, even Borderlands One and Borderlands Two, both got Game of the Year editions, and this yeah. was before the online pass thing. Uh, and they still kind of did them that way. How do you feel about season them? Pass. Yeah, how do you feel about them announcing the season pass? Um, and I don't like it. I will never like still still the same still stances still one hundred percent like against this kind of announcements because you're announcing. And I've said it before. You're announcing content that is included with these DLCs. And I'm not talking about the DLCs, but you're announcing things that have been made to fit in for this to make it seem like the value is worth it. When DLCs used to not have this kind of value added to it because they were already worth it. And it's coming out near the launch of the game. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, me. I actually didn't. I didn't get into how close to the launch of the games these are going to start launching, but it does start to the feel fact like that they are already announcing it before the game is enough. Launched, enough and for with you. the release date is enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, and another one of those that's happening. Uh, Control developer Remedy have started uh, talking post-launch plans for their game ahead of their August release. So this post-launch, is quite a bit. And that's the well, that's the thing is that like post-launch games or post-launch plans is something I'm not 
Well, it's because they're saying it's that the there's contents. free updates as well as two planned expansion packs. Yeah. Well, I mean, even then, free updates are fine. Expansion packs are fine. It's the content bundled in with the expansion pack. The, the skins, the guns, all that extra stuff. Well, sure. But I guess the, the heart of an expansion pass, really, or, or any of that season pass, is primarily you get a couple of extra things I notice on most games like uh, one of those games that you can look at with this is like the Assassin's Creed series that started having it and even Far Cry uh, where in Far Cry 5 if you had the season pass you got Far Cry 3 Classic Edition now that's pretty cool that's separate, it, it's cool. That's separate than it's cool. what I'm talking about but yeah that's cool but it's them finding odd ways to tie things that aren't related to DLC into it as well and that was a cool way of doing it and it was I mean interesting we saw that again with Assassin's Creed Odyssey where you got Assassin's Creed 3 uh, and Liberation both with it as well and that's kind of interesting it's it's again like you say honestly it's a, for like for like these these kind of remakes and remasters that's not a bad way to do them in my opinion because like eventually they're gonna go in the store anyways if not like no they, yeah they're I think, soon as I think like, Assassin's Creed 3 was a soon as yeah. um I could be wrong on that, but I'm fairly spot positive because I've seen people already playing it. Especially if um, it doesn't deter the price of the season pass. Like if the season pass then becomes ten dollars more, but you're getting a valued twenty dollar game, you're saving ten dollars on the game. It makes it worth it. Yeah. But yeah. for me, it's just like it seems like all these extras and stuff are just there to for furthermore furthermore incentives when the content should stand alone as the incentive to purchase the pass because and, the content should be that good. And I definitely still stand on your side of why does it have to be there? Uh, and again, you, you look at the consumer side of I don't necessarily need to see that stuff up front personally and I think every consumer is different. I definitely can see how there is people who would want to look at Borderlands 3 and say I want to know before I buy it that the game is planning to have four DLC packs. But even then, it's just like, to me, it's like the DLC could be bad. Do you remember the first DLC for Fallout 4? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely can be. Terrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just... Just because it's the the quali- the quantity doesn't mean there's quality. So, like, it, you're not going to see that DLC content. You're going to see screenshots of it. And if you even start to see stuff like videos of it before launch of the actual game, that's when it's going to really make me mad. Because it's like, that really could have been in the game at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's a whole other standpoint. Yeah. And now, I think sometimes... I don't think I've ever seen a dev do that, though. I don't know for sure, but even if they did, it'd be okay if it was something that was obviously like, well, this wouldn't have worked in the content of the game because this is like a take on a whole other character or whatever it be. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, this is something that has nothing to do with the main story. If it story, comes out like three or four just, months after, fine. A whole other quarter yeah. after, that's fine for that kind of stuff. I don't like it when you advertise it before the game even comes out. And I don't. I, yeah, I get your point though. Perception. Because regardless yeah. of whether it would even make sense in the story, the perception easily becomes why wasn't this just in the story? Because obviously, or in the game, yeah. because it's obvious that you already had all this planned out. Well, see, and the problem but, is too is that the people who have the mindset that they need to see a season pass to, see, to know if the game's going to be worth investing in. In my opinion, that's just a terrible mindset to have because you could look at Destiny 2. Putting the car before that, the horse a situation. That, well, Destiny 2 it, uh, launched with a season pass too. And yeah. who all kept playing like a month and a half after Destiny 2 after me, after in our group? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, nobody. So, and that's the problem. And you were one of the people that got the season pass. Now, eventually it came back around well, to benefiting it, you. But... I got it because it came in my yeah, yeah, edition I, I got. But yeah. you bought that edition specifically because of that and the steelbook, right? Isn't that what you got? Well, it came with the steelbook. It came with like little chest pieces. And it okay. came with, yeah. I didn't get the highest one. I got the one that came with all Yeah, the, I knew you didn't get the collectors. The, uh, but yeah. Part of the value for you was the season pass as well. Because I know I mean, that's going a justifiable into, thing in your mind, mm, too. Yeah, sure. But, yeah. And that's probably the same thing thought process and the same you know part of the brain work in there when you see all this content in the season pass is it's like well this is justifiable if I don't like the content I get cool skins but that is where it's for me it's like I'd rather have better content than tricked by skins or whatever 
because sure. it's just one of those things that's like I don't like and I, I don't think it's a good practice in gaming it's a great business practice because it works and that's the problem yeah it's, we can see that for yeah. sure okay well I thought that was interesting speaking um, of great business practices <laughs> uh, well, well we'll go a little I think I got out of order on this a little bit, but we'll, we'll kind of go towards these. Uh, so going back into order, I'll cover these up. Uh, Enter the Gungeon, top-down shooter and roguelike, released its final update title, A Farewell to Arms, this past week, adding in new playable characters with their own abilities, like all the ones in the existing game. New weapons, new items, and new secret floors and bosses. For free. For free. Uh, and this kind of goes back to something we talked about a few episodes back where uh, Sean brought up the fact that a lot of these games are adding a lot of value in completely free later uh, as a thank you to fans who already bought the game uh, and also as a catalyst to bring new players in, hopefully. So in this situation, they're like, well, this is our end, but hopefully we get more sales and this felt worth it. Uh, but this is a lot to add to a game and this isn't the first time they've done it. Uh, yeah. So it goes to show that how different the markets can really be and also really how different the expectation of an indie game is to a full release in terms of the fact that regardless of what the cost is a lot of people will go into an indie game definitely one like this that doesn't feel like it has a natural end uh, and say well it doesn't matter if it feels finished kind of like dead cells i had no problem buying dead cells and playing through all of it even though the ending made no sense it wasn't really it was just a boss and it no story reason it felt abrupt it didn't feel like it resolved anything but but it's about the gameplay yeah and it's like well it's just an excuse for me to get through and have that boss fight it was the challenge of the moment which is interestingly that's why i like to poke fun about the voice acting voice acting in symphony of the night because (sighs) it's just it's it's terrible and yet the game makes up for it by having a great just being a great castlevania game cool enemies cool weapons all that other stuff but it was a point in time where it's like oh well voice acting in games is getting big we gotta have something yeah yeah something (laughs) Which is funny, all right. because now, but that was also considered a AAA release back then, oddly enough, whereas now, yeah. these types of games don't come out in a AAA fashion. Which is crazy, but that kind of goes back to his statement of like, AAA, or not, no AAA games are launching at cheaper and sometimes higher quality than AAA games. Yeah, for certain people. So that's definitely interesting. Uh, next up, and I included this one because I find it interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, it's not technically... Uh, pertinent to PlayStation itself, but it's pertinent to something we've talked about in the past, uh, very recently, actually. Right now, rumor has it that Microsoft plans to unveil a bundled Xbox Live Gold and Game Pass subscription for $14.99 a month, alongside its discless Xbox One S that they will be showing off later this month. Uh, I'm not surprised to see this bundle. Uh, This comes after them experimenting with the bundling during the limited time Xbox All Access thing that they did where you got a leased console, both of the the Xbox Live Gold and Xbox Games Pass bundled together for one monthly price. Um, That was a limited time thing. It was obviously ended up being an experiment. It's funny because at the time people were thinking that, and and they got some praise and some flack for it, but it's funny to go show how volatile this market really is and how testing that they'll do these things because that was a very short-lived thing. It got a lot of flack for the way they chose to go about the financing side of it and who they did the financing off of. But it's not surprising because what it does show me is that Xbox has already thought about 
what demand is there for bundling these services together? How often do we see, and I'm sure they're, they're in there saying, how often do we see people who have Xbox Live Gold also already have Xbox Games Pass? Can we bundle them together, make it even more of a value for them to where they won't want to leave either service? It's, a, it's benefits for staying, you know, uh, customer retention. Then you have things like the fact for new customers that are coming in that you're trying to reach into, be it people who already have PlayStations or Switches uh, or have yet to go into the next gen yet, for whatever reason it be, if they want to go into this Xbox One S that's discless, it'll be a lower cost of entry because of the not having a disk drive for whatever reason. We don't know how much it's going to be, but it'll be a lower cost of entry. And then you also put something like this together, which is par for the course with a discless console. Well, you're going to need online because everything is related to online on this console within reason. And you're going to need Games Pass because it's just one more avenue for you to get games since you don't have the avenue for physical games anymore. So... This makes sense as a bundle to me, uh, but this ties in more importantly to what we were talking about with what we'd like to see from PlayStation and bundling their stuff together. Now, PlayStation has more services than just these two, so it'd be it, there's we've talked about it before. There'd almost have to be tiered ones to whether you were going to include PS View along with PS Now, along with PS Plus, and all these different things. Uh, but saw what's your thoughts on this because I know that you were a big advocate towards wanting to see them try and play off of each other, have a little synergy and say, we run all these things. Why can't you buy them on their own if you want to, a la carte, essentially? Or discounted at bundle. Or discounted in bundle. Yeah, so what do you think? This right here is, people are going to say, oh, Microsoft is failing. They're bundling these two together because they don't have any players. Mm-hmm. This Which, is the I, best value yeah. <clears throat> ever in the history of consoles to buy a new console and with this value. If, Okay, so if an Xbox One S discless, yeah, go, go ahead. I'm following you. What what price do you put that at? I think no more than two hundred. Well, do you think it's going to be two hundred? Because the Xbox One S is two hundred. No, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. Is it not two hundred? Three hundred. Okay, so two hundred dollars. Because use their two forty nine or two thirty nine for Xbox One S. Did I just Trust get a me. really good deal at Best Buy that one day? I guess. Oh, it depends on when you buy it. They've been as low as 200 on Black Friday and whatnot. No, this, but, is, this is not Black Friday. Uh, uh, because don't be wrong. If I could get one for $200 that had a disk drive, I'd do it just to be my 4K Blu-ray player. And also have the console just to make it easier to play games that I want to play with friends on Xbox, which is of rare. Of course, but, GameStop. You're the most terrible website in the world that when you see on Google search Xbox One S <laughs> and you click on it, it goes to the homepage of their website. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so like, let's say $200. Yeah. That's what they'll launch at. Um, that's the bundle, the bundle, bundle. Yeah, but the bundles are all just the same cost as a normal. Okay, so maybe that's what it was. Well, no, I just saw the regular box that didn't come with one, what I traditionally had. Sure. So I wonder if that was the skew they were getting rid of or something because... Possibly. that It was $199. I actually thought about it just for the Blu-ray player. But let's say Xbox One S Discless comes out at $200. Yeah. For $200, and. I'd say, depending on where, where we live, where tax is 10%, but we sure. go to Texas, we'll just call it 10% anyways. If we were to get this, for $250 or less, you have a brand new console, and you have a pretty decent library of games, and you have online paid for. Yeah, right out of the gate. No other console has ever been that cheap, where you can get that for brand new with these services. Yeah. So, uh, you, uh, where, what's the cheapest, like... What's the cheapest Xbox 360 was ever to a new that was usable? Don't count the arcade because that wasn't a usable system. That was a that was a big old dumb time. Yeah, yeah I don't know, man. That's actually a good question. I don't remember because the Xbox arcade was fairly cheap, but I even think it was 300 at the time because Xbox came out at It wasn't 400. 300 at the time. Was it 250? It was, I thought it was, I thought it was like 149. 
because it came with the four gigabyte external HD. I say external. It's the four gigabyte uh, HD they um, they always had. Yeah, but that was the, not a usable system like that. The arcade was, edition, I think, just came with memory cards. How much like was the PS3 ever new for less than two hundred? No. Okay. Or at least not that I saw. Okay. So like this, this is a, and this is a pretty good deal for me, honestly. Like I would recommend anybody if they came to me and said. You know, I have a PS4, you know, should I get an Xbox? Like, yeah, if you have 250 bucks to spare, you're going to get a pretty good library of games and a, a decent machine. Like, yeah. you're not going to be able to play, you know, 4K uh, Blu-rays on it because it doesn't have a disk drive. But, you know, you're going to have a pretty cool machine for, that, that's a good deal. Like, you can't argue that's not a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, that's that's going to bring uh, people in. I'm going to assume if they had any thought of buying an Xbox, an Xbox and they're currently on PlayStation, you know, there might be something like see if these, they want to play with their friends or mm-hmm. Master Chief Collection or whatever it may be that's on Xbox that PS4 doesn't have. I would say 250 bucks is a pretty good entry rate for those games that we don't have. So the Xbox 360 core, just for a price comparison, uh, was priced at $299.99. $300. Yeah. So and then uh, Xbox. Well, I'm talking about like by the time the arcade had come out, the Elite was yeah. The arcade just replaced the core, I and thought. it's the same price point. Okay, yeah, that's a complete waste of money in my opinion. Yep. You got the four gigabyte uh, hard drive on it, yep. and they couldn't hold any game. So yeah, like good job Microsoft. That's a good. That's a good like bundle you have there, Sony. Uh, I would like you to take on, on the console side. Let's just put this in in frame of Sony real quick. So on the console side, we've seen Sony go as low with the PS4 as two hundred dollars. We saw it happen with Spider Man bundle, uh, which is really a, a steal during Black Friday yeah, and times. You, you, with every new um, PS4 console, you get seven days of PS Plus for free. Yep. Um, but you don't get PS Now. All right, technically, you do get what is it? A three day trial of PS Now. I think it's seven days. Is it seven days? Yeah, I think it's okay. also seven days. It might be three, but you, yeah, you do get a trial. So you of, get a week worth of PS Now and PS Plus for seven days after you buy the console, so you can at least test out stuff you want. And that's for the Slim, which is comparable to the Xbox oh, One S. Hold up, I gotta add some stuff real quick. While we're on the topic of this, I do want to say that I, I talked about buying PS Now but not trying it yet. Uh, I did decide to try it last week before I started Hollow Knight, just as an in between thing, and I like I just want to see how it works. So I did two things. I, I looked at how the downloading structure went and how that how it worked it, just what i thought it's very simple you're going through the list of games and it tells you whether there's a download available or not you can see it on there and and it's an easy symbol so you can just see a up arrow if you're going through the games you go oh yeah that one's downloadable this one is uh i like that uh it made a lot of sense there's a lot of great games on there a lot of them are first party games like a just an example, I played Loco Roco a little bit with Kyrie because it's a really yeah. simple game and it was downloadable. Uh, but I also was like, well, let me see, because maybe I'm being too harsh on the Google Stadia. And I was like, you know, let me see how my internet here, which is not even really top of the line. It's pretty good internet, to be fair. But it's, it's not top the of the line. best in our area. So I was like, let's see how this goes uh, for me. So I was like, I want to think of what game I want to stream. So I, I booted up Oblivion. And I know I'm losing force for the trees a little bit here, but... In the talk of PS Now, uh, I, I played Oblivion, and then I also streamed Sonic Generations. So like, it's a fast-paced platformer. I'm curious as to how it will perform. Um, Oblivion was perfect. It's not that fast-paced anyway, but it was perfect. I mean, I couldn't even tell that it was. It was the the delay was so so little that it was. I guess technically I could notice it, but it was so little that it didn't. In, me in any way and then when I went to Sonic mm. Generations it was just ever so slightly but it was definitely playable and it made me kind of take back and I feel like I owe Google Stadia a little bit of apology because if PlayStation's doing this now five years into their service and this is running pretty good on my internet um, I mean honestly I'm impressed um, did but you, did you try to play any games from the current generation though yeah yeah okay. also also streamed yeah I streamed um, um, 
God, what was it? Oh, um, the game that they remade, uh, Shadow of the Beast, I think is what it was called. It was a remake of a game from the Shadow Sega. Shadow of the Colossus? No, oh. no, no. Well, no, like what I mean by those, like the Stadia's touting, you know, 10 plus yeah. uh, Terraforms. Yeah, sure. So like what I'm curious about is you're playing typically older, simpler games. Like what I'm curious about is if you downloaded Infamous uh, Second Son. No, I didn't stream it, but I'll show you this or game. Stream, is, this yeah. game is not necessarily a slouch. You'd have to see it for a second. Uh, it, it is 2D in that nature. Uh, but no, a, see, I'm not talking about something that's just 2D. I'm talking about something. Well, it's not is, 2D. What I mean is like it's it's uh, 2.5D. Uh, it, it's okay. a fully 3D game. They just use a 2D, and there's there's chains and stuff on it. Gotcha. Game is kind of cool. I'm actually kind of glad to, to end up playing it. Uh, but it it also played fine, and again, you could see the softness coming from streaming. But you know, yeah, that's the, I'm still kind of iffy on it, but. I will say that like Microsoft did what I said Sony should do yes. or and you know what I think they should do obviously not a business major of any kind but like yeah they they did the right decision so at least good on them for that. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to see but it goes back into this shows me more of what I've been thinking of Microsoft is getting themselves ready to I've said this for a long time they're and I who knows for sure but their business model to me looks like Keep be, keep being a hardware manufacturer for as long as it benefits us, and keep laying the groundwork to be this service that you're going to be able to play across multiple consoles. You can see it by how buddy buddy they're being with Nintendo, uh, even push even going so far as to push for a Nintendo Switch version of Cuphead, which was a exclusive for them. Otherwise, yeah, um, we've heard little rumblings of possibly Games Pass coming to Switch in some form fashion, and you need Xbox Live to play on uh, Switch stuff too, is what the rumor is. So like this. Being fifteen bucks a month, even if you're a Switch owner, is a good deal because yeah. Nintendo's. Well, and if it's a bundle, right? At that point, if it's if they're moving away from being just a hardware, it, then it becomes that Games Pass is altogether just fourteen ninety nine, but it gives you access to all the Xbox suite and platform on on, on the Nintendo platform. Well, you're getting the as free well. Xbox, the games with gold. Yeah, exactly. And, and and Nintendo's internet is already so cheap, like twelve dollars a year or whatever it is, twenty dollars a year. Yeah. Uh so like for that deal right there, if you're a switch owner, this is a really, really good deal for you. I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. Yeah, so, so yeah. Well, that, that's what I mean is that we're seeing Microsoft cozy up to people. This looks like more of what I've been thinking of like I think that we'll see another generation, maybe even two out of Microsoft, depending how things go. But with that said, I still think that they'll always kind of remain a hardware manufacturer in the sense of they can do it pretty easily, and for people who prefer the Xbox controller and UI, bam, they have a system that can do it that way. So they remain, they essentially become, they are a third, it'd be the first time I've seen this, but essentially they'd be a third party hardware manufacturing yeah. people. They wouldn't have a first party. There wouldn't be exclusives in the sense of to a machine. It, they don't even really have that now necessarily. Instead, what they have is exclusives to a platform, but the right. platform can be played on all the machines. Uh, and I think that's an interesting take on it. And it would well, be, we gotta, we, you gotta stick around for reader mail that will come out on Monday because, um, or Friday, I mean, not Monday. What am I thinking? <laughs> Triangle Square. But somebody yeah. asked a question. Uh, yeah, to that. somebody asked a question that uh, is essentially, uh, and I think it was actually Sean Neo that asked, but like, what do we see? Do we see that the next generation, everybody's a winner, where Microsoft is a very high-selling platform, and mm. then Sony is the console, then mm. Nintendo is the handheld. Yeah, we'll definitely and talk so, more about that then. then. Yeah. Uh, okay, next up, I'm Sony. Yeah, go ahead. Sony Santa Monica's massively loved God of War brought home five BAFTAs, uh, which is the British arts, film, and television, or whatever. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they won the uh, award for audio achievement, music, narrative, best performance for Jeremy Davies as the stranger, and the big win, 
of best game. Uh, so congratulations to them. Game's still doing massively well. Uh, right up to a year after its release. Is his real name in the game still a spoiler? I, I consider it. The game's not that new. I mean, the game's not that old, so it's still fairly new. Yeah, I, I would knows anything about the lore knows his name, right? Like, they could tell by the way he looks. Yeah, maybe. I'm just going to leave it as the stranger. If you played the game, you know name. who it is. Yeah, it's just so. weird seeing that name. Yeah. Uh, next up, episode three of Life is Strange 2 is coming on May 9th and is titled Wasteland. So if you've been looking forward to that, you it's have that. A new action RPG for PS4 and other consoles was announced by South Korean game developer Shift Up. Currently titled Project Eve, the game is being developed in Unreal Engine 4 and aiming for a global release. No release window has been given just yet, but if you want to see a teaser of the game, some screenshots of what it looks like, they have that up on YouTube and other sites if you want to check that out. Project Eve. Uh, And they announced another game for mobile, I want to say, but... Uh, pertinent to this next thing up this one's kind of interesting and sad but not that surprising starlink battle for atlas which is a new take on the toys to life genre uh that had players assembling and customizing different real world physical starships that you could buy um and use in the game they have been considered a massive disappointment in the sales department not mass i'm sorry they've been considered a disappointment in the sales department but specifically the toys part is what got them into it so publisher ubisoft has made the decision to no longer release physical toys for the game um it seems that the game will continue separately, ditching the Toys to Life aspect of the game, but the developers promise more content is being worked on for the game. So it shouldn't be one of those games like Disney Infinity or, I mean, I think Lego Worlds down. ended up being this, where it shut down because of how much it relied on the Toys to Life aspect. I've heard from a lot of people the game is fun and the ships are still purchasable separately as entities as that's kind of its monetization well, extra. And the game still seems to be doing well as a game it's just that the money it takes to move into this game's the life thing is so high it's a huge investment and it's hard to make back i'm gonna say something that is gonna be very two-sided but number one toys to live games stop doing them they're not successful in this day and age nobody plays the toys anymore two atlas is the coolest game to have ever used that and i want those oh, toys because of how absolutely. cool they are Dude, it, it took every bit of me not to do it because it's so cool looking I, every time i go to target i still pass the uh it's the it's the uh, I don't know what it even it's called. It's like the collector's edition. It comes with the, yes. the set. Yes. And it's like $60. I'm like, that is so dope to get this little set of toys plus the game. And I'm a 27-year-old man saying I'm, I'm excited about no, toys. No, dude, me too. And honestly. they're the coolest. But stop doing it because sad- <laughs> you have to end it eventually. And then it's, it's just bad for everybody who likes it. Sadly, the, the best news about this is that if I want to get these, they're going to price drop soon. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> but, they're, yeah. They're really cool, like, collectible toys. So and once again, as a almost thirty year old man. Next up, uh, after being censored in Western releases, DMC Five or Devil May Cry Five. In case you have any stink about me saying DMC, but Devil May Cry Five censorship has been removed from the North American version of the game via a quiet patch. The European version remains unchanged, with no word on with if that will change, uh, considering that this wasn't even a planned thing; it was just something that people found uh, after the patch for North America. But this comes on the heels of a lot of complaints towards Sony over something we talked about last year. Uh, this is in regards to the censorious nature of its policies that they in, put into action last year uh, as a worldwide step. Uh, I kind of, I'm glad to see this because it means that there's some flexibility to this. Uh, interesting that it's not done in Europe yet, and I'm wondering why. And lastly, I'm wondering how much Sony's going to peel back some of these censor policies. I, you know, there's probably a happy, a happy middle ground between 
what Sony wants on its policy side that it enacted from the get-go and what gamers want to where they can kind of come to a point where for most people, hopefully, it's a non-issue. Hopefully. It should be. But... They've never made an official statement on this either, which is interesting. To yes. Me. It was just a policy that got pushed out and they kind of just went, meh. Yeah. Um, I'm and, glad it got fixed, though. Well, and this is one of those weird things. After I beat the game. Why, why did it come quietly? What was the reasoning for it in the get-go? And did the pushback that they got off of well, you, it you, have the effect on why it got removed? I'll say, you notice it came after all the controversy happened. It's like they fixed it in a response. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, But why? Was it because of literally just I the, think that the, people, I think that they might have realized that like stuff made, you know, in the East, like where they have their own sure. ethics and ideals, like you don't need to censor that if it comes over here because it's that's that's their culture. Leave it well, alone. And it's, a, it's really against... You approved it, it to look like that in one culture. Don't disapprove it for the other. It's well, dumb. and I agree with you there. The but game we, is the game. We do look at that from a very American standpoint. So for us, you know, we look at it as we have a ton of freedoms. Uh, essentially, that one America. of the one of the ones, yeah, one of the ones that we really think about though is something like this. You're free to make and kind of put what you want to out there, like that game, that hatred game that got. I mean, for people wrong. with a lot of freedom, everybody gets angry at everything, right? <laughs> But that's almost why we have the freedom to say so. We, it ends up being that, yeah. and people want to censor things, which is funny. We're in Someone a, we're in a hot my freedom of speech. But moving over here, you know what the point of that's supposed to be is that we're supposed to be able to, in our mind, we're supposed to be able to openly celebrate it. So it is interesting. I wonder if the reason it's not done in Europe is because European th- there are some censorship and laws that you can't say anything you want to over in Europe. There are there are repercussions to saying things, even if it's just words. So I wonder if it has something to do with that. If this is trying to do, are Sony backing off of the worldwide censorship policies and instead going, we're going to start censoring based off of what is considered a cultural norm in the areas that we're doing it. And it might be that Europe is saying, well, we don't consider the cultural norms and not censor. I don't know enough about Europe. So I would say that I know we have a bunch of fans that listen to us. So Sean, I mean, Matt, all you guys, both the Sean's we have, uh, I'd be interested to hear why, in your opinion, that it, from a cultural standpoint, does it feel like this is going on, and how much has the censorship affected y'all in general? Uh, I, I think that that's odd. It depends on the type of games you like, of course, too, but um, let me know how off I am on that, because this is us going from a very you know North American standpoint on this versus uh, we don't know a lot about y'all's culture. It's a very different situation, so I'd be interested to hear what those are. A uh, couple things left, though. Iron Man VR, which we recently talked about and was shown at the uh, during PlayStation's first state of play they did, uh, it's been revealed to be far more than a short VR experience, which I'll be fair is kind of what it looked like from the way they showed it. Uh, with people in the media being able to go hands-on with the game, we hear that it's to be a full game with free movement flying controls, an original story of a decent length. I couldn't find it again, uh, but I want to say I saw something around 8 to 10 hours, which is not bad. Um, a non-linear sandbox and groundbreaking flight controls that mimic Iron Man's thrusters pretty cleverly. I actually like this. So players will aim the controllers down and pull the triggers to simulate liftoff. So it's like the end of the glowy balls or Iron Man's hand thrusters. Yeah. And you aim them down, you pull the triggers to take off, you tilt them back to move forward. If you want to stop, you fling them forward. And whenever you want to do attacks, you keep one hand down and you pull the other hand up to do, to do your blast and you can switch hands. But if you want to keep flying, you have to have a hand behind you. Well, um, And you can do full 360 lot, moves man. and stuff, you know? Considering he has feet that can also do that. So couldn't you just have like an autopilot button and then bring your arms up? I think from a gameplay perspective, if you want to control it, that's kind of what they end up doing. Is it? To, wasn't, weren't they using two hands in the trailer, though? 
I mean, you can you can still cheer and then you can I thought, I go thought back I and forth. Both hands being present, maybe. I, I don't know, but you know, one of the biggest concerns is that the way they showed it, and I get that it's really hard to show VR and your intent with it. A lot of people were concerned that it was going to be an on rails game, uh, and it's not, and that's good. I appreciate that. That is good because it does look very easily like an on rails thing when you're seeing it, and it turns out that the what they were saying was not gameplay was the cutscenes in between. So all the bits that we saw was considered gameplay. It was just a specific section. Um, but everybody seems to be having a good time with it. They say it looks really good. It's been being worked on for the last two years, which is pretty interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll, apparently, this came as Marvel was looking for something in the VR space, and the people who who ended up making this, I think, is Republic Games, if I remember right. Um, they decided to pitch this idea to Marvel, and they went along with it. So this has been in the works since before Spider-Man was officially announced. Can apparently. we please get an actual Iron Man game, though, that's like not VR, that's on the caliber that Spider-Man was? It may happen. Uh, Even this was, this is very was much still a 7 out of 10. <laughs> this is very much in Marvel's realm. They, they have really, to let it go. but really want like a, a Iron Man game that's not VR. Sure. That, that plays, that, that has that fluidity of Spider-Man. Yeah, and lets you fly around. And the thing is, it's, Anthem. it's even more after Anthem. I think yeah. a lot of people, for all the flaws that Anthem has, or that some people may perceive as flaws since everybody's different, I think the one thing that's pretty universally found is that the, the flying mechanics are pretty dope. Honestly, now the, the Avengers movie verse has entered in such a, a plateau that like you could probably make pretty decent... Um, superhero movies modeled after those actors after Endgame depending on the way Endgame ends. Yeah, sure. You could still make... So that way you're not doing those weird movie games where the story kind of lines up, but then there's all this dumb side stuff that doesn't happen in a movie. Like Harry Potter games were like the worst about that. <laughs> those were good games. But like... But there you was, have to. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it goes for every movie game that has ever came out. Because well, a movie is three hours max, and who wants to play a three-hour yeah, game? Yeah, so, but it just feels unnatural when you do that kind of it stuff. Does, it does, it does. And it feels obviously added. Yes, in a it weird way. Like it, it feels like you're. It's padded for that reason. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, a couple more things though. Square Enix has announced that Naoki Hamaguchi, hope I said that right, will be stepping to stepping into the role of co-director alongside Tetsuya Nomura for Final Fantasy VII remake. Interesting that they brought this out as news out front. It seems like they're not being coy about talking about Final Fantasy VII, which makes me wonder how close we are to actually seeing it. If it was massively behind schedule, you would hope. Or you would think that they would be a little more coy about trying to put this information out there. Yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried because I'm worried that they're bringing in uh, Naoki because they're so far behind or they haven't gotten to a good point yet to put anything out. I but don't I know. Because I, I hope I'm being just pessimistic about it. Well, the reason I say that is that there was a co-director on Kingdom Hearts as well. Right. So, I, well, I mean, that's was, not uncommon. It wasn't Tetsuo started out with Kingdom Hearts before Final Fantasy VII, right? Yes. Three specifically. Yes. So. What I'm curious about is that the team that got booted off, what was that team called again? The, the whole, it was a company. Oh, CyberConnect. CyberConnect. Yes. I'm wondering if they got booted off, and then we do know that they, that, that pretty much redevelopment started. Yeah, it in. moved in-house. They didn't. So, they weren't able to save a lot of it. They wanted to redo it. year ago? Year no, and a half more than ago? that. More than that. So there was, there was We've rumors. We've been doing the podcast for two years. Hold on. There was rumors before that. Because you got to think about this. CyberConnect were the people that was announced when the game was announced in 2016. We weren't doing the podcast in 15. 2016 yet. Oh, was it 15? 2015. Yeah, either way. We uh, were doing was... the podcast in 2016, weren't we? I don't think so. Wasn't that Shadow Colossus E3? No, that was 17. 
I'm so old. Like that I, was I can't. that was hashtag free the nips time, Saul. That was. <laughs> but listen, uh, okay, so maybe it was 2016. So anyway, regardless of which one it was, no, because that was Horizon Zero Dawn and God of War. Okay, yeah, you're right. Actually, so it was 2015, along yeah. with Last Guardian and, and Shinmu Three. Um, but Fallout 4. yeah, but anyway, with that, that said, that was, that was you gotta cool. think about it. when the game was announced. Then that was when CyberConnect were con- were the ones that we were told were working on. It. Right, but I, I now thought, the I, rumors that came up last month or last year were the, were really up in the air, and it was it was found out that that, w- that wasn't true. CyberConnect had already been out of the picture for over a year well, at the point I, that those rumors had come in. Right, but I thought that... So the rumors themselves are true in the fact that CyberConnect did get off the game. Yeah. CyberConnect, they, they scratched most of what CyberConnect were doing, if I remember that correctly. I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, but it had happened about a year, year and a half prior to what the rumors last year were saying. So they've been working on it now for roughly three years at this point. Okay. That doesn't seem that weird. It's not a brand new game that they're having to figure out story and everything for. What they're instead having to do is... They're having to figure think, out one part of the story. They're having... <laughs> I don't think that part's going to make it in the game. Yeah, we'll see. Because fans have been talking about it since it was announced. Yeah, I thought um, about it like a couple months after it got announced. I was like, that, that, that's not going to be in the game. We'll see. But with that said, I get your concern but i think at that point when you look at a game like this kingdom hearts 3 is a new game with real story and real mechanics they're trying to figure out this is taking something that already has a city a story characters all lined out thankfully there's some that they have everything in line they now, have obviously. a framework is what we call it yeah. now with them changing the way the game is going to play and fleshing out all these areas that Sh- does matter yeah but, but three years seems like a reasonable point in time to get that out it um, does so i think that we might I'll hope there was also some some rumors or something or some reports that Square Enix still Excuse had a me. big game for uh, 2019 fiscal year, which would which not, ends April 1st this, the, well, of next year. It, it, they did not specify a release or reveal. We, we also don't know what it is. It could be yeah. anything. It but could it be sounds Final Fantasy like, 16 announcement is what, they, is what that alluded to. Well, no, the, whatever it was, if I'm looking at the rumors right, it involved money because they were talking about that they'll break because they have one that more big game stock, that's going to hit they their thing. Five eight sixteen stock, their stock goes up. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. Five eight sixteen, I don't trailers, know. Maybe I don't know enough up. about that, so I'll, I'll give you that. But either way, it'd be interesting to see again. if it's going to be that. So why well, you got to keep stretching? You ain't drove three and a half hours today. I felt like I did. <laughs> All right, last thing up is something we ended up talking about in the Discord a lot. Sony has announced a change in its refund policy and brings up name changes at the same time with their statement being, you can cancel, quote, you can cancel a digital content purchase within 14 days from the date of purchase and receive a refund to your PSN wallet, provided that you have not started downloading or streaming it. Digital content that you have started downloading or streaming and in-game consumables that have been delivered are not eligible for a refund unless the content is faulty. You can cancel your purchase of a season pass within 14 days from the date of purchase and receive a refund to your PSN wallet, provided that you have not started downloading and or streaming any digital content, e.g. game add-ons, included with the season pass. Now, this applies to pre-orders, which is actually an upside, Subscription services, also an upside. It means that if you get PlayStation Now within 14 days, if you don't ever use it and you just decide you don't want to do it, bam, you go right on back. Uh, And this also, oh, this does not cover name changes once they go live. So the interesting thing about this is they brought up name changes. Um, They are talking about the fact that they're still working on them. So my hope is that the beta period, and I know a lot of people are upset about this, but the beta period seemed to introduce, 
well, it seemed to do exactly what we thought it was going to do. It brought up a lot of issues that I think Sony knew they had to put in the beta to see what the issues were and why they were happening. And from there, Sony's doing everything they can to make the best possible name change thing they can. It's probably still not going to be perfect. There's almost no way. I, I can guarantee there's almost no way it's going to be perfect. But if they can get it out of the door with minimal problems, great. Um, outside of this, Saul and I were talking this seems like a step in the right direction, but it's not quite on the solid ground that we were hoping that they'd land on. Because what this does do, and I'll start with the benefits, being able to cancel or you know technically get a refund on a pre-order is a great thing. The fact that, that wasn't there already was kind of a big oversight. So that's great. Before the product gets to you, bam, this is in line with that thought process. You pre-order a game, something happens, you decide that you're not into it anymore. Instead of having to do the old thing where you hope that for some reason the pre-orders go weird and Sony cancels them all and then you have to re-pre-order, which has happened a couple times. Instead of having and I hope that happens. You can just go, I don't want this game anymore. Bam, get my refund. That's a good thing. Uh, the fact that you can even get a refund within 14 days. Interesting. Good to know. But why the weird stipulation that you can't even start downloading it? Here's the thing. There's not clear in this policy. If I download the Dark Souls 4 season pass. Sure. Don't start the season pass or anything. It's They say 14 days. Yet I have Dark Souls 4 downloaded. Can I refund the season pass? It should, because essentially they should be able to look and say whether or not you've used the the. Content. How can I use the season pass 14 days before it comes out? Well, huh, so what, what, you can I must have misheard your season, question. Yeah, you can refund the season pass 14 days before it comes out. Yet it alludes to not having... You can't do it unless you have downloaded no, no. content. The, you can purchase a season pass with, and you can refund it within 14 days of the date of purchase. Doesn't matter if it's before it comes out. Oh, okay. I see what that is now. Yeah. I was thinking of it as if you were pre-ordering it. Yeah. So you can, but if you pre-order the season pass, you can also cancel can you it. refund it if you played the game that relates to the season pass or if you have it downloaded? I don't know about that one, and I don't know if the if the policy is more clear outside of the statement. It might be when you actually look at the policy. Who in the world downloads a game? I mean, just that right there. Who buys a game and doesn't download it? See, that's the bigger thing because a lot of the time refunds happen. Download is is, 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 is most people buy a game and start downloading it in the same moment. Exactly. So even if you have a backlog, you download it so that in time to play it for your backlog, it's there. Yeah. This is a dumb policy. Like it's a step in the right direction because they're opening up to refunds. They botched the policy. I said this on Twitter on April first, yeah. and then I deleted it because we were doing woodworking things that day and only <laughs> woodworking things. Yes. This is like I said there, and there's cool stuff in here. And it is stuff such as pr uh, the refunds, brilliant. However, what happens when the game starts to preload? Are you done for? Because it's downloading. Do you, do games start to preload without your uh, permission? Preload starts for most games like four days before the game comes out. See, I've never pre-ordered a game I don't know so I don't if know. it preloads without your permission, though. I'm See, I know assume, that it opens. I thought that you had to click on it and say you wanted to preload. I'm gonna, but I don't know. I, I, I've done this before. I did this for... Um, uh, okay. Sekiro, it Red Dead, I can't remember. It shouldn't because it is still at that point. It's still, until the game is released, it's still considered a pre-order. But if it preloads, and I'm I, saying I get, I get you're saying because of their it starts, wording. it's preload yeah. like three days before the game comes out yeah. and it preloads, can you refund the game before the game comes out or do you have to stop the preload? The, argument, assume... the argument should be that before the game comes out, you're still covered. Now, it gets no, messier after that. Yeah, it's not specifically stated in here. Sure. And that's what I'm curious about. As someone who buys digital games, yeah. say if I bought... I did it with Anthem, Red Dead, and Sekiro. Let's say with Sekiro, 
uh, somebody got the game early and said, oh, the game doesn't even run at 10 FPS. It's very, very bad. It doesn't work. And I'm like, let me go. And day before, you're wanting to cancel. Yeah, and it preloaded. Can I cancel that preload? Yeah. You Can would, I refund my You would money? hope so, but that's something that, w- that hopefully the policy goes into, and if it's, not. Now, this does bring us to one thing that it needs to be said. So what we've always talked about that this needs to be something that's in line in line with Steam's policy and Xbox's policy now that they've uh, also done it. Steam was the first to do this. Uh, but here's the difference for Sony. While this, again, is a step in the right direction and that these are good within reason, I mean, it, it, there are still, it could be better, but there are some good moves forward with this, but you still can't do it unlike on Xbox and Steam where you just go into it and it's an automated process. You still have to call for this. Right, and which is a huge. It, it seems weird. Why not get to a point where it's automated? And does this tie back into the thing where we've talked about their network is just so old that can they even can they not automate the process? I can't. I deleted the tweet. Like I said, I'm actually I'm looking through Twitter notifications to see because I can't remember who responded to this. I'm pretty sure it was um, Jeff who responded to me, but I don't. I can't remember. But um, somebody. I should be close because all those woodworking channels are following us on Twitter now. <laughs> but um, what what they said was that what stops somebody from going offline and then beating the game and then coming back online? Sony knows the game time you played. They could, they gave us a video at the beginning of the year that showed us that. So they have that information on the back end. Not only that, but trophies sync back up. They would know that you logged into this game and that, that they could even put artificial or not artificial but you know rules on trophies like well this trophy right here is as you beat the first boss that's within two hours of the game you're good but then if it's like the third boss or whatever like you can't get to that within two hours of the game sorry we can't do a refund but i did sorry that's our policy it gets messy that way but even then they could see the trophy sync up it doesn't have to be one of those things guaranteed they have your playtime on the back end you can't see and yeah, it might sure. be like a couple of days worth of digging on their end to find that playtime and to get it. But like, but why does that not tie into And again, if it was automated and there was a system that looked and go, what game is it? Why is he refunding it? When was the date of purchase? And on the back end server, how does it show? Uh, how, how long does it show he's played dude, the game? I, I play that the, would be the automated. Well, that would, and that's what Xbox and Steam do. They do all that automated. They just look at the game, look at the date of purchase, and look at from the back end system how long it says you played it. Well, if they all meet within the stipulations of what it is, it automatically does it. You, if you want to argue it, you can push it through to a representative and do that. Sony has to do everything through a representative, and it still seems like that, that process could be cut. Yeah. You know what's crazy? I'm 99% sure if they can log your hours played offline, too. Well, when you sync back up, yeah. Yeah. Probably. I wouldn't think that they could because they're not, you know, they're not currently, they don't have that information, but I'm pretty sure that that works because I know this, that from when the, when I, when I looked at the, uh, uh, my year for last year on PS4 and they did that video for Americans finally. Yeah. And Dark Souls 3 was my third highest game. I played a lot of that on the very first patch offline to avoid the patch from downloading. Sure. to, To use the glitches and stuff in there while trying to speed run. Yeah. They knew that. They knew that I played that game offline. So when it came back up, that time did sync. So they have that information. Yeah. They could make this. It's just they don't want people to start abusing it. But the thing is, it's just like Steam. You get banned from refunds if you abuse it. Yeah. You download My Name is Mayo and you get the platinum. But I wonder if there's even a system that they have that could take that platinum away from you. I don't know about that. 
or blacklist you from the game where you can't download the game again. Yeah, I don't know about that. But the last thing I'll say about this, it's also kind of a, a this is, again, an upside. Uh, so Sony's stance whenever the Anthem problems were going on, a lot of people were saying you could get a refund, and then when people were trying, it turned out that that wasn't completely the truth. One of the things that this does go towards is it does put in the stipulation that as as long as the product is not faulty, these are the rules. But you are eligible for a refund past that if the content is faulty. What What's the deal with... Or what I mean is uh, not past that. It's still within the stipulations, but you can have downloaded it and started playing it. And if it's faulty, the, as long as it's within the 14-day window, they'll still, they'll still give you a refund. What is the deal with video games and why do they have to be faulty? Like why in their mind... Do that to be faulty? Yeah, what's the justification for it's faulty? Uh, yeah. I, I think it would have to be how often is your playtime up? And the bigger thing I think that you're trying to get to is who determines this and is it made clear somewhere where you can know that calling it is going to guarantee your refund or are you just wasting your time? Well, I'm just saying, like, even then, if I buy a shelf at Walmart and I don't put it together, it ends up sitting in my apartment for like a week and I'm just like, I just, I'm not going to use this thing. I'm going to take it back. They're going to ask, is anything wrong with it? If I say no, they're not going to deny that refund because there's nothing wrong with it because I saw my receipt. Yeah. What's, what's the issue with it having to be faulty? It's a game. It's like, I agree on and, that. And the thing is, is that games, I, I agree on your logical standpoint. Well, yeah. Games are universal. So like if it's faulty for me, chances are it's going to be a little faulty for you. If it's faulty enough that I would want a refund on it, it's going to be faulty for you to do that to some extent. Right. Again, I don't know because we're, let's go back to our primetime example. Anthem. A lot of the people that a lot of the problems that the people who were saying that they were trying to get a refund for were experiencing, it seemed like it's exactly what you're talking about. What it really was was just a bunch of people who didn't who just kind of feel like they just bought a game that didn't end up clicking with them, or they bought it, enjoyed it a little bit, and were trying to take advantage of the fact that Sony that they heard that Sony was giving refunds. They're like, "Well, I got my time out of it. Let me refund it, get my sixty dollars, and buy something else." I think for the most part, I'm, I know that there were real people who had real problems, and for people who had the and we did learn that the system did not actually brick any console the, the game did not brick any console it would just hard boot consoles and you'd have to go through and rebuild your database and come back in you were fine but that's an actual problem to an extent where i think if you could prove that that happened to you within reason then you should be able to get a refund but on the other side of that is just to your example, you said if the game is so faulty that there that one person's asking for a refund, shouldn't it be they, like that across the board? They know it's faulty. That's the problem. But that comes down to it. Anthem didn't give me any of those problems. So it, that's why I think it comes down to a, what's faulty. And I think there has to be some line for Sony. And I think they'll probably base it a little bit off of what's going on. So like in the Anthem case, they probably would have looked at the fact that a lot of people were saying that they experienced problems and they just would have done it. To, just to do it. Now, I almost wonder if this if this refund but, policy comes on the heel but the of Anthem. Is, but like my problem is, is that why does faulty matter if it's within? Oh, two I, weeks? I agree. That's the thing that was. Like, I, but we're talking at this point, or at least I'm, I was. It's sorry, a, it's, I'm talking about the policy as it is. I kind of get it. On your side, what is faulty and what isn't faulty, and why should it even matter in the product of if you are within the time period? Why should it matter? The only thing about that, their policy, the only reason that doesn't work is because their policy does not have any kind of playtime stipulation. Their only stipulation is whether you download well, it. Well, I'm saying in my perfect policy for them, which sure. would mirror Steam, they don't care about the faultiness of a game. Yeah. They, like, there's a couple of options where you choose from. And I was trying to go to it, but like, I, I, on, my, on my laptop, but I'm actually kind of worried that like, I don't want to refund a game or try to submit a ticket and waste somebody else's time for a game I don't want refunded. Uh, because Grand Theft Auto Five is the only newer game that I have in there from two weeks. Sure. But 
my whole thing is, is like, I'm about 99% sure you don't have to have a reason. Like you could, there, you could put a couple, like I, like game doesn't run well or game, you know, um, my, uh, the specs for my computer cannot run this game or whatever, but yeah. like, yeah, I, I had Republic Commando, which is an old Star Wars first person shooter game on Steam. That's one of the games I've refunded in the past on Steam. And I just didn't like, I, I downloaded it and I'm like, I'm not going to play this like I thought I would. And then I just submitted a refund ticket for it. And I'm pretty sure I just hit no reason on refunds or like I hit just didn't want it. Yeah. And then, of course, like within, I think, two hours or three hours, I got an email saying that, that they're being looked at. And then about two or three hours later, I got another email saying it was refunded. So, yeah. Now I'll say this in regards to that, we're dealing with a couple of different things. So on Steam, you are dealing with uh, the fact that all computers could be different. So there's a number of ways that can come into that. But which is what I think both of these, the thing about Steam and Xbox is, is that faulty always exists on the side of when you exceed the original boundaries uh, within reason. So the boundaries on all of them now, thankfully, besides Nintendo, I don't know enough about Nintendo's, but the, at least on Steam, PlayStation, and Xbox, when you're looking at those, the refund policy is all within a 14-day window. Now, that's the farthest reaching thing. That, that should be. Now, that's out, a pretty good Yeah, it is. Limit. Now, outside of that, two of the three in this situation have the, have the limiting stipulation outside of that. Of playtime. Of playtime of two hours or more, yeah. or two hours or less, uh, if it can get you refunded. Uh, PlayStation is not. PlayStation draws that line at whether you download it or not. Which is, now, here's yeah. the thing. Within that, Faulty matters outside of that first stipulation. So in this, in PlayStation's first stipulation, they're saying, well, you broke our first stipulation because you downloaded it. But if the game is faulty, even that past that, as long as you're within the furthest reaching stipulation, which is the 14 days, we'll still refund you. Steam and Microsoft are actually the same on that. They'll look at where faulty comes in. Hold on. This is just tying into your, why does it matter if it's faulty? Where faulty comes in and even on those other two platforms is the same thing. And I, it's if you've played more than two hours of a game and they, and it matters if it's faulty because you don't always know a game is faulty within your first two hours, be it because you have a, tor- a tutorial that goes into, if it's an online heavy game that you don't realize that they have a ton of server issues and you're not gonna be able to play it, whatever it may be, it's, it's to that faulty moniker matters on getting it within the, within the middle of the two. So you've already broke the first stipulation because you played it more than two hours, but after that two hours, you found out it was faulty. That's where the line matters for those two. Sony's line matters as in, well, you downloaded it. Even though you downloaded it, you a, found it's faulty. But faulty doesn't, doesn't mean anything for Sony because you wouldn't know because you can't download it anyways as per their refund policy. But what I mean, but it's, you only, it only matters if it's faulty because that's their only stipulation as to why you should be able to get one outside of that. Now, I guess what you're saying is that Sony just shouldn't have the stipulation about the downloading, which I mean, we agree on that. that yeah, that's, that's my whole thing. But, that, but the faulty thing exists across all three is all I'm getting at. Right. Is that there is a I'm reason that's that. there because just to just oppose what we have going on, uh, Josh Ayers in the Discord has uh-huh. talked about that because of the laws in Australia and what goes on and over he, there, and they, they, they have to. They have to do it within, and theirs is a large window too, but it doesn't matter what the reason. I think it's within a week, maybe it's two, but you get a refund, no questions asked because of their policies. Yeah. I'm now, just going to switch my Xbox to Australia and call them an accent and see if that works. 
I mean, my PlayStation. Did I say Xbox? Use a VPN. <laughs> yeah. Did I say Xbox? Yeah, you did. Okay, yeah, PlayStation. But I've been, mean, unless I'm really misunderstanding you, I think we're seeing it the same way. It's just, we are. It's just, that's, that's my I thing. I get that the faulty thing is just bothering you because of the download, is that you're saying... That you would know it's faulty because you've already, like, you can't download, you can't refund it because you broke the first main stipulation they had. Don't but that's why it. the faulty comes in. It's the, it's the only reason it exists. Right, but the thing is, is that are they going to refund you just based off of the game faulty? Even yes, they, they, they should. That's they the should, point. but well, will that, they? No, that's what it says, unless the game is faulty. So their wording is set up to say, if the game is faulty, the first stipulation no longer matters. Okay, then that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, read you, I'll read you the thing. It says specifically that have been... Uh, it, let's see, right here. Unless it's considered faulty. Uh, if they've been delivered or downloaded, are not eligible for refund unless the content is faulty. So... They're that's, not that's a, that's eligible a, once they've been delivered and downloaded and all that, unless but, they're faulty. So the faulty only exists in to get you past the, if you broke the first stipulation, but you're still within the second stipulation, which is 14 days, they're going to give you that refund as long as they can deem it as faulty. Now, the bigger question there is who determines whether it's faulty or not. That's my, in my opinion, that's the question. Who gets to determine if it's a faulty? Do the, does the publisher of the game have to say, well, we consider our game to be faulty, so if anybody calls for it, you can go ahead and give them it. Or is it on PlayStation to make that decision? Or is it based off that's, the reason you give? Yeah. And th there's a lot of wiggle room there that I don't think is clearly enough put here. And that's one thing that I'm hoping that if I can actually get my, and I probably will look and see actually after this, what the policy, if there's a, extended version what it says yeah because some of that matters. what is faulty is it a frame drop every now and then yeah because that's not faulty in my eyes but if it runs at 10 frames per second that's pretty faulty yeah but is sony gonna agree that that's faulty or not because yeah. the game works and the other thing what is, I'm is if you're is, getting it at 10 frames per second but i'm not even though we're both on ps4 pros yeah, your run. game is still faulty at yeah. that point no matter what and what i mean what i'm curious about faulty is like corrupted download corrupted game something like that yeah it's too broad of a term it is. So I'm waiting on more information, but right now, good, good step in the right direction, Sony. For at least the mindset, let's work on the policies a little bit better. Okay, so I have to because my throat is just so dry. I have to run and get a water. Sure, I'll lead into the main topic. You just go ahead. Sure. So for those that uh, that follow us on Twitter, we put out our community's take topic on Twitter as a poll, and we basically read the poll. And Facebook. I see. I didn't know that because I don't have Facebook. But uh, what our poll was is it's in light of the ever continuing debate. Do you feel like From Software should add an easy mode to Sekiro or any of the other games? Feel free to reply explaining why. And of course, the poll ran with a total of sixty-two volts votes. It ran at seventy-nine percent of people said no, they should not add an easy difficulty, and then twenty-one percent said yes. Now, my math for that was that 13 people said yes, and then the rest were no. So, we got a pretty good uh, amount there that do, that do not want any kind of easy difficulty added into the game of any kind. And the way I think that we should go about this particular topic, uh, which I think is going to be the most easy and kind of the easiest flowing way as well, is that you can follow along with us and we're going to read through each question or each uh reply and then we can give our input on that reply and then by the end you guys will know where we stand just based on our replies and then we'll wrap it up with yeah our total thoughts yeah we did get a lot of replies so i don't know if i'll do every single one of them do you think we should do every one of them 
Or well, at least, I will say that like we we, we could do because some of them mimic each other is why I say that. Yeah, so that's I think true. we have to use the ones that have the most pertinent points for both sides. Yeah, and a couple a couple are actually really really long chains of responding to each other. Yeah, so, so with getting the context of the full conversation, we would have to read those as well. So since I missed so, your yeah, thing, did you already cover? I covered the poll and I covered the voting. What, what the and poll then, uh, got 13, to? 13 people said no, and then the rest were saying yes. So at least is what the math worked out. Even the math on that is kind of weird. It was thirteen percent, thirteen point percent said. No. Okay, so hold on. So was the I mean no no I'm sorry thirteen point something people said yes, on here. Basically, I just took twenty one percent and divided that. Okay, for, yes, uh, I got twenty one percent of sixty two. It was yes. thirteen points. All right, so across the board, no was the winner of the poll. Yeah, be it across Facebook no, and Twitter, it, it was and it was a pretty good win across the board. Um, so. No is largely in favor. Now, I definitely want to go over why some of these issues are. I do think it's important to say that it does seem like gaming community at large is saying no. But the reasons I've found have varied very differently. And I have one reason as to why, in my opinion, and we'll get to that in a minute. The the side that I side with, for now I'm going to remain nonpartisan. Uh, the side that I stand with the one reason that I have, I think, is the most salient reason over everything else. I think it's the most important reason, and I'll get into that. And I think that everyone should be able to reasonably agree, even if they don't, even if they still wanted it. I think that it's just the thing that matters the most. But we'll get into some of these other ones real quick. Um, I'll start with one from Facebook, uh, since you've already been talking a little bit about Twitter. Uh, so the first thing I'll say is Hayden Evans, and that's one of our listeners, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from Australia. So speaking of Josh in Australia, there we go. He says, only if easy mode enables a camera that isn't garbage. So and he goes further into it, because I did, I did prod, because I was curious. I said that's the only easy mode feature you need. And he, he does go into it. He says, I personally don't want an easy mode, but I'm not opposed to the idea of one for other players. I think from software are competent enough, which I think they are as well, uh, to make their games more accessible for those who don't have enough skill and patience to, quote, get good, end quote, I can still have my experience while others can have theirs. Now, I've seen this particular sentiment echoed through most of the people that have given the answer to Yes, as to it seems to be that yes is either for people who think that they themselves would directly benefit from it or that they don't feel that it being there is going to detract from their enjoyment of the game because in this situation that we're talking about, there would still be the normal version of the game given. You know what I mean? So it, I see that sentiment echoed a lot, but Saul, do you want to grab one from Twitter that's in the no category so we can kind of put two of them side by side and kind of look at that? Sure. Our good buddy Jason says, I feel that it'll take away what makes those games special and unique. If you give players a difficulty option, it'll become another action RPG. Not sure if that's the genre, not sure if that's the genre, but hope you understand. So yeah, basically if you add a difficulty into the game, then there's nothing to distinguish the series uh, that's special. Uh, that's not part of the game. That's just, mm -hmm. a, a, um, yeah. Then it's just another action RPG. Yeah. Is. It's what, what is it? The, or around the game? No, no, no. What is no. It? Uh, uh, can't, uh, can't think of what it's called. I mean, it just depends on what you're talking about, but I mean, there can stigma be... Stigma around the game. That's what I figured yeah. you were going to say, a stigma. But do you mean... So stigma is normally used in a negative regard. Yeah, so, so like... Uh, well, yeah, then like, what's the overall word for stigma that's not negative? I can't think of it. Like the tone of a game? Yeah. That would work, I guess, yeah. I mean... 
Uh, well, let's instead of focusing on the word, verbalize your point. Verbalize that point and how it mirrors with yours. Well, the, the, uh, he's he's correct on that. The difficulty and the challenge of these games is, is always what is talked about in them. As a matter of fact, Dark Souls has earned its name not only because of the game series, but because now it is a very cliche thing to do in gaming journalism to relate a game to being Dark Souls-like. And it's successful in that way because you automatically understand what that term means, even if you've never played a game before. And there's two things of that. So that's actually, that's a really good point right there, Saul, is the fact that journalism do it in two ways. So journalism will say, this is a term of endearment that they've, or just a term really that they (laughs) use to do it, but it can be a term of endearment, but Souls-like has become a defining thing. Now, they typically use that when they refer to a game that also not only copies the aspect of difficulty, but also some of the aspects like having a bonfire or something that acts as a bonfire that you come back around to, and something that also utilizes uh, replenishing enemies with a system that's built on you gaining souls that you lose if you die. Neo, uh, Salt and Sanctuary. Exactly. So then the other side, and I think this is more of what Saul was talking about, you kind of get to this point where and i don't know if y'all remember back in the day when back in the day it's not that, that long ago but whenever skyrim came out uh everything Eight after skyrim ago. yeah a- everything after skyrim was like skyrim with blank so people still say red dead redemption g-haw skyrim yeah so so i don't know if y'all remember this far cry 3 was called skyrim like skyrim with guns that, yeah. was, that was a quote from somebody. So what that was is that they're trying to talk about the, well, the, the scope and scale of the thing and that it, that's the, what they're going after. And it's like, okay, well, that's the defining factor they saw for that. The defining factor that some people use when they say, well, it's the Dark Souls of platformers. And what they mean by that is that Dark Souls is known far and wide and first and foremost specifically for its difficulty. So people will use a game that has nothing in common with it outside of that mechanically just to say it's the Dark Souls of racing games. It's the Dark Souls of platforming games. It's the Dark Souls of puzzles. first-person shooters. Yeah, it's Cliff like, Blazinski. All, all it means to them is that they have made a game that has decided to be difficult for whatever reason, and that's what they're trying to use it for. So I think that's actually a good point, Saul, is that it, it does bounce out between both. I mean, there are people that... It's so it's so synonymous with Dark Souls and even from software difficulty is that when you see a from software game, nine times out of ten, if anybody has any kind of idea about what the series is or who the people who made it was, they're gonna tell you that game's gonna be difficult. Yeah, and that that's the thing too, is that Steve Biddo actually says something on Twitter about this as well. He says, Are the story and worlds worth experiencing on their own? If yes, then yes. And if no, or if not, then no. And then he says, obviously, easy mode wouldn't be the complete experience, but it would allow more people to consume the part of the game they enjoy. And it correlates that, specifically the bottom part, correlates back to the top where, uh, with what um, Jason was saying, is that it's not the complete experience with the easy mode. So why put it in the game? Okay, so like I get it. I do have to play the devil's advocate here. You can play the devil's because advocate because this ties into some of the thoughts I've seen on here, and this is also some of the stuff I'll mention. Some of the Discord stuff as well, uh, and I think that I'll also start doing that. I think I'm probably going to make a community's take Discord channel so that when people want to do it in there and flesh out a little more, they can. But some of the things I saw echoed a lot. One of them was from Blake, uh, so that's Captain Chronic in the Discord. Uh, I, I saw one of the things he said, and then I've also seen mirrored from a lot of other people. And I'll look and see if there's any more on Facebook that specifically say this. Um, but there was one we saw a second ago, actually. So uh, 
for people, they can still have their experience while others have theirs. So Blake had that same, that same essential sentiment, which is adding an easy mode to the game. Doesn't detract doesn't from the take away experience. what the original was, but and this is where the and this is devil advocate on both sides. Well, your wording there is completely is something that I completely disagree with. So you're, you're, dissect it to make you let me know what I even said and how you took it, okay, so I can so make sure said, I'm representing them correctly. You, no, no, you are representing them correctly, but that's the statement that I disagree with them of above all is okay. that and go into why. when you yeah. take away this game's niche, you are then completely taking away its identity. It doesn't matter about the difficulty because the difficulty is the sole purpose of these series. You don't go play Ninja Gaiden and put it on the easiest difficulty because the game is meant you might have. No, no, I didn't. Okay. But just to pause you for a second and to eh, go ahead. I want to see what you say I was going to get into something, but I do want to see how pertinent my critique is to what you're going to say okay. before I say it. So, okay. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. this echoes Jason once again is that if you take away the difficulty, the games have pretty cool lore. They have really cool boss fights, but it takes away an aspect. And I actually, if you, if, if you, I know a couple of people in our discord went and read it. I made an article about this. There is something special about when a video game can actually teach you life lessons that can stick with you that's not related directly to the video game. All those people who are saying this game is too hard and I can't play it, you're not doing it right. Because you're not taking what the game is offering, which is a lesson, and you're not learning the lesson. You're just letting the game beat you, and you're getting mad at the game, and then you're ranting about it. There is, this game is not impossible you're not going to go and hit a home run the first time you play baseball. That doesn't mean that they should bring in the line for the home run to be 10 feet away from the home plate. Dude, that's a, that is a super apt analogy. Continue. You're, you're not going to just because something is hard doesn't mean it should be easier. Even if the experience doesn't change for the person who decides to make it hard for them. That's not like, that's not comparable to me because when you play these games, everyone the first time you play one of these games is going to struggle to some extent, whether it's right when they start out, which is what I did, whether it's against certain bosses, which everybody's done. There's been boss fights that me and Brett have literally tried to help each other, each other beat. The funny thing about that too, on that point is how it's different for everybody. And it shows the games, what your strengths are. That's some the of the bosses of the game. Yes. Yeah, some of the bosses are based around how patient can you be? Some of the bosses are based around how ballsy can you be? What's about how, how, how aggressive can you be while still maintaining your cool and, and your calm? You know? What's a better conversation, a conversation that me and you have upon beating a, a, a boss in Skyrim, a mini boss and how we did it. Or is it a conversation celebrating the fact that we beat a boss that we were stuck hard on for a week and we finally did it and how we did it? Yeah, I think definitely in our case. And I, I mean, it's important for us to frame it that way a little bit because everyone has a different experience. Right. But I do. Th I, 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 I mean, Blake himself I, is, is, is somebody who advocates the difficulty and he is a fan of the Dark Souls series. Mm -hmm. So and just to put his side out there, he do, he also advocates the addition of an easy mode. So that's what I just said. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you said <laughs> I thought you said he. Oh, I thought you meant he advocated the difficulty of the series. No, he advoca he advocates a difficulty selection. Selection, yeah. So like that's the thing is that you you can be mad about it and you can be mad that the game is going to change that you should that there should be a change, 
But the problem is, is that when you're arguing about the game because it is too hard. Now, this is very important in this conversation because this is there's a separate conversation to be had about the difficulty, but not from a difficulty standpoint, but because of an accessibility standpoint, which we'll get to. But that you shouldn't change the game. You could argue that I don't have enough time to learn this game. I'm going to be very blunt with you. Then you shouldn't play the game. That's it. If I don't have time to go sink hundreds of hours into World of Warcraft, I'm not going to complain about making the grind easier. If I don't have 100 hours to go play Destiny, I'm not going to complain about making the grind faster. You don't, like, if you don't have the time to play something, you're not going to drag it down for everybody else who does. And even then, I'm at 40 hours in Sekiro, and I've had it since launch day, which is about roughly two weeks now. Um, I'd say, actually, it, it I think it's two weeks on the nose from when we're recording. But... I'm about 40, 40 hours in. The thing that the, the funny thing about Sekiro is that it's so different that it even takes players who know the Soul series so well and it actually forces them to I've, learn a new formula. I've seen some of them have harder times than people who are coming in at the beginning because they're so set they're, in their way. They're so the muscle memory is there to just dodge, 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 yeah. dodge, and then Well, and like you said, they took the lesson and learned it so much that they are that they over applied it and they, in that their they head. closed their mind to learning the new one. Quickly, at that's least. me. Yeah, it, so. it's literally taken me so long to realize that. Oh, and I think I said it last episode when we talked about it. Is that oh, instead of dodging there, I should have tried to deflect, but I dodged out of instinct, and out you know, of habit. So just to period to go into that, and then I also want to kind of stop for a second and break down a couple of things you said. Okay, for important purposes, I, do, I really do think that they're important for us to cover as to why what we're talking about, and just to try and be fair, but. Um, yeah, whenever we talked about that last time and you said the same thing and I was like, I know I'm supposed to be doing that too, but you said it and I was like, I really got to start doing that. And I started parrying far more often when I was even fighting normal enemies. Instead of going up to them and immediately trying to kill them, I was waiting and letting them attack me so I could parry and get that habit down. And I noticed it helped me a lot, but then immediately when I got to the Chained Ogre because I don't feel like you're supposed to be able to parry him. And I don't know if you can, actually. Well, I'm so thing. scared that's, of it that, I, I, that I, I go back to dodging because it's my habitual you happy space. Yeah, you can do that. As that's, long as it's not his Well, that's death a tricky thing. Yeah, the uh, perilous attack. There, that's a tricky thing about this game, though, is that there are some bosses that, like, you're pretty much supposed to deplete their posture health the entire time. Yes. But there are some bosses Which that is requ- you The don't, way you do that is by parrying. Yeah, right? there are some bosses <laughs> that play in a way that you don't do that. you got to chip away their HP. Because there are some bosses that I fought that where I could deflect every one of their attacks perfectly. They'll do something where I have to run away. And then by the time I get back to them, their posture bar is back to zero. So, like, it's, okay, this is a long game. But before you dissect what I said, just to round off my this conversation is well, that... Well, I, I feel like there should be more. But round off this leg if, if, well, no, if it is Well, my conversation with this specific thing about time. Okay, And ahead. that's that video games at their core will always and have always been a hobby. They are something that you can go and do for 30 hours. They are something you can go and do for two or three. The Soul Series and Sekiro are no different. If you don't have the time to play these games, there are other games to play. A Twitter user says, if people are going to cry because the game is too difficult, then go play something else. It's not like there's a shortage of games. And then Ryan also says, devs should make the game what they want. If they don't like the game then don't buy it. It's that simple. So that's... That. We'll get back to that in a minute. Yeah, but... Because I really, really want to talk about that one. Yeah, but... But you go ahead. My whole thing is that is that you can play these games. I don't know why people are making it sound like this is an hour sync just to learn the game. It's not. 
It really isn't. It's going to take a while to get better at the game. That's the whole point. The point of this series as a whole is to get good. When you and people hate that because when you people hate the way it's presented to them. Exactly. I will give the, the, I will give it that. It's a very crass way of saying it. The way you just said it is a far more sensible but there are people Slow who and say, like, how do I be this boss? And the comment is literally just get, get good. good. What they and mean, it's also G-I-C-E. G-U-D. Yeah. yeah. So, but it, it's become such a thing that it's become it the almost seems like an series. attacking of, of just saying that, oh, well, how do I do this? And well, some people get mad at it because if, if the from, answer really is, and this series is different actually a little bit. Uh, this series is because there are some skills and stuff that are tied into it. The answer could be a little more complex than that. It could Whereas be, yeah. in, in, Even in though, the Soulsborne games, it really just comes for, down to get good. For context, that sentence, if you see that, is literally what that means. And it's very rare somebody means it in a toxic way. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it in just a really toxic way. But it's hard. It's itself, hard to. It's hard to pull. That's what I was about to say. Is in itself, it's hard to judge whether or not they're being toxic by the way they're saying it. Because you can't understand tone or how they were. Right. How it was meant to be said. Because from it's text. just. It's 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 the same phrase. It never changes. It's, and it's you, text. You, yeah. You can't not, put, even then. It's just you like, can't put stick. You can't put stink on it. You can't. Yeah, laugh it's, it's with the it. Same thing. And pe- multiple people say it. Yeah. Some people think that it's like, oh, well, that's just something they do. Like what, like what that means, and I actually saw somebody on Reddit break this down before, is that like somebody said it was in a Bloodborne thread, and they said, I need help being um, Father Gascoigne, or Gascoin, uh, what do I do? And then they said at the bottom, they said, don't say get good, I've got good. And then the comment, the highest rated comment on the thread with over a thousand upvotes was like, I see you, what you said at the bottom. And you have it because you haven't beaten the boss. Here's what we mean. And then he listed off that, like, learn the attack openings. Learn when to, uh, to parry in that game of sh- shooting. Um, but, like, and learn your windows. And then when he transforms as a beast, take in his moveset and learn his moveset. None of that takes a substantial amount of time to learn when you're playing these games. You learn the basis, basics of these games within the first 10 to 30 minutes pretty much the the deflect mechanic you learn the death blow mechanic the sneak mechanic you learn all this the rest of the game isn't trying to teach you anything they're trying to make you better at it and that's the thing is that like you're not going to miraculously be able to play these games and get better at them these games would not work as an easy game yeah i i agree with that but let's let's take this time right now to kind of go back and i i just when you're using some of these things as your arguments and your linchpins into them, I do think it's important to talk about why they're different and why sometimes – a lot of your arguments I agree with. A couple of the ones that I think are a little bit hard to, to stomach is that you, – you, okay, so MMOs is a big thing you brought up. If you don't have time to play whatever it be, World of Warcraft, for the hundreds of hours it would take for you to do all the content needed. I'm, by the way, the what I said about those two games in particular, I'm basically like – saying like you're not going to be able to play those either i'm not saying yeah. don't play the game no and, and i get that i get that but what it comes down to and i i, I, I think that, that someone says this in here and i just and if they don't i still think it's an obvious thing that pops up which is this is a single player game the two games that you just talked about are multiplayer games and there are a, a multitude of other multiplayer games that if we did the same thing there's an effect on everybody because the difference between a multiplayer game is that in a multiplayer game when you're dealing with something like this it's something that happens across the board and affects all players it can't be something that's based off of selection and even if it can be like in destiny's case where it's a faux selection where if you go right. into a mission at least in that instance for that mission only you can play it on hard and not uh, and you and your group have agreed that you're going to play on hard 
but the majority of destiny exists in an open area where everything happens exists. So think about when you're rolling around on uh, the EDZ in destiny, you can't implement an easy mode because it's an, it's a persistent online world. If you make an easy, if you make the game easier, it doesn't do it for a subset of people. It does it for all people. Right now, the argument I feel like it's important to talk about that. The argument here is that in a multiplayer game, I haven't, I've actually seen a lot of people say it's because it's a single player game that they feel like this should be taken account because it's a game that can be had. Like they're saying it can be had in such a way that the original experience is still intact because it's something that doesn't involve online at all. But uh, then, but then the, and see the thing about that, some people said that even Bloodborne and Dark Souls and stuff should. And I would even argue on those that they even they can be played offline, but they're in, they're obviously not intended to. Yeah, those games are meant to have the I asymmetrical was, online to where you hit you get hit, like hints and stuff from other people, and they're also meant to have the invaders, which is an active online thing that's meant to be part of the game. It's part of the excuse me. It's part of what makes the game challenging. Keeping you on your feet, knowing that a real player can come into your world at any time, right, and wreck your shop. Oh yeah. So you've got to pay attention. You've got to be. You've got to learn from the game, like you said. That that breathing down your neck is supposed to make you pay more attention to the game because all the bosses in the game do is teach you different mechanics that you need to learn and different patience. Like you know, if you need to be patient, if you need to be more aggressive, definitely Bloodborne. I think Bloodborne did a good job of making you understand like this is a boss where the majority of this game is about being aggressive. It's about going after people, which is already different from from the Dark Souls series. The Dark Souls is about taking your time, finding your step, and then for the most it. part, yeah. Yeah, there are classes the board. in Dark Souls that, My laptop's gone, that, but, uh, that allow you to do it. Uh, be a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, definitely Dark Souls 3. It upped it a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, w- so when you look at that, though, it, a lot of it comes down to going back to the main point of time. When you're looking at a game like Dark Souls and even Bloodborne, I, I, I think the argument is less salient for them because they're obviously intended to be online. This is a game that From has made from the top to the bottom to say there's no... There's no online part of this at all. So the game is not made with online play and intention. If you were to make this game have a difficulty setting, this is actually one example of a game that would not be affected across the board for all players because of that. And there's no way it could affect anybody except for yourself because of the fact that there's no online element. Um, and in that, even in like Dark Souls states where the online is not a completely separate it's, element it's, it's it's tied into the game so this game doesn't have that now let me finish real quick and just so we can get through it all well, i know um, you're being devil's advocate because the question i'm asking well it's more than that i, I do think that it's important for you to th- I mean, no you, no i understand you, you know you say well on this game i don't have a hundred hours for the grind so let's focus on time you know i don't have a hundred hours for the grind on world of warcraft so i'm not going to play it well i don't think anybody's expecting you to make the grind easier on World of Warcraft because it doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody. So in the situation for Sekiro, if we go back towards that and that this is a single-player game, it comes down to why is there on this? You know, Yeah, but The Witcher has difficulty settings. Right, but even then, if, if you just had normal difficulty on, yes. the game's still 60-plus hours, which yeah. Sekiro is not. Yeah. So that's the problem, yeah. is that people so, are relating that they just want to <laughs> beat this 40-hour game and well, experience it without learning what makes this game have its identity. Again, and, and I agree. I agree with that, but just the, the, the some of the, the arguments you bring up, I just don't feel are quite enough on there. I feel like some of your arguments just stand up on their own without needing as much 
examples because like, you know bringing up the witcher the witcher is also not a game that has demanding combat and hard enemies that are exactly what you're saying and i'm using this to actually right, but, try and strengthen your your argument which is that is, the difference between the witcher and this is that sekiro is a game that's made to live and breathe uh, so the witcher 3 is made to live and breathe in the fact that it's a massive world with a lot of stuff right. you can do sekiro's real stick is that yeah there's a world here and there's characters and these all exist to kind of give you a reason as to why you're going through these areas and why you're fighting these things but all from software games are essentially a ball of lore that you're just learning about and some cool stuff that may happen to your character but the bulk of the game is not really about what's happening as much as it is about the time the and the time and dedication it takes to experience. learn every enemy and that's not true in other games so it's a little bit of one of those things where right now from software are almost in a monopoly of this where they're one of the oh, only yeah. developers that understands how to make a game that the entire point of the game is to be difficult and the point of the game is from start to finish to take the time necessary we can equate it like you were talking about to playing baseball to playing guitar you know everybody can go buy a guitar everybody can pick a guitar up me and you you okay i have a guitar in there right now if i went and grabbed it and brought it in here which one of us two could play guitar better I mean, you obviously, because you put the time into it. Exactly. And so, I again, strengthening your light. argument comes down to, yeah, for people to say, well, I don't have the time to put the 100 hours into it. It seems like a crass way of saying, well, then the game is just not for you. So some people get mad at that, but it's the truth. And it comes down to, uh, and I wish I had it open. I, I hope I, maybe I can find it. Somebody said probably the best thing to it is that not every game is made for everybody. And you just well, have to get over that. That's what it is, and that's the and that's the thing. Is the reason I related the time issue to this is because that is the biggest excuse I see on people why they had why it needs a difficulty level. The secondary one I've seen. Time. The, the secondary one I've seen. If we want to get into that real quick, is time. You're right. I've seen a lot of people say I don't have the time to be able to learn these things, but I still want to experience the game. Well, then I hate to say it, but. You, and, the game this is not is, for you. And I want to I want, I want to save this last way, bit that, for the final what, thing. What but. you're talking about was on Twitter. Was it? Okay, I'm I think it was, sure. was it Josh that said it? I want to say it was Josh Ayers. Somebody said it. Uh, but I, but it's the best way to say it is that... Oh, well, technically I did, like... It's saying like this. Okay, books, right? Let's go into the idea of a book. Okay. A book is something that you could argue all you want. I get the plot holes or the, the holes in the argument of a book is not something, which technically it can be updated and repressed and reprinted. But the idea of a work of literature and why, it's, why it exists in the, in the way it exists is that... The work of literature is there. It's exactly as the artist wanted it to be. It's exactly how they intended it to be. Flaws and all. Even if you don't like it, that's fine. The book is made. It is a piece of art. Everyone experiences it the same, but they all get different things out of it regardless of that. Just because you don't understand what the words are, just because you don't understand these phrases or some of the, or it's too cumbersome for you to read because you don't feel like you have the time or you don't have the understanding needed for these things to make sense. Maybe you don't have enough of a grasp on narrative, you know, foreshadowing and narrative plot devices to be able to have the book land with you the same way as it does on everybody else. It doesn't mean that those aspects should be dumbed down because they exist and there's nothing keeping you from experiencing the game as well outside of your own uh, your own will and ability to push through but the the other one that saw was you know saw something about time is a big one and i think time, time is, is really, the main one i've seen the, the secondary By one large. i've seen is just genuinely skill with the added thing on there of it's not mindful enough of disabled gamers now let me now, let's I, get to that part second after i just want to wrap this up real sure, quick go, uh, go for i it. want to wrap up this whole entire part about time and then just the general and then we'll end with we'll end with the difficulty because with, with disabilities separate thing and then the last thing which ties back into ryan's points about the the, the, the developers yeah. themselves so, so go ahead 
when you think of something, you immediately know of a title of a series uh, or a, a something within a series itself. You automatically know of the content of the series based on the name of any related element to that series. If I say Tarantino, you're going to think Emilio Quentin Tarantino. You're going to think of the movies that come to mind. You're going to think of his style, bloody, with lots of cursing, rated R, pretty much everything. Probably going to have Samuel L. Jackson somewhere. Probably going to have Samuel L. Jackson in it. Might have Leonardo DiCaprio in it. It's all going to be taking place in this universe. You know that. If I say uh, anything, if I say um, Dead Space, you know, you know, if you think of the series, you think that, okay, it's creepy and atmospheric. It's kind of slow, except for the third one. Uh, you know that it's going to take place with something to do with, um, I can't think of that alien's name. Necromorphs. Necromorphs. Um, I got if, you, boo. And if I say Dark Souls, difficulty is almost one of the things that pops in your mind first. Difficulty? If I say Bloodborne, yeah. difficulty is something. If yeah. I say this game is like Dark Souls, but difficulty If we're using mind. that as a point of reference, the number one thing you're going to think of right. is, is difficulty, which we've covered, to be fair. But There continue. have been hundreds of games to come out and to take this route. To try to gain a similar identity, there has been, and we told, we talked, we said some earlier, you know, Salt and Sanctuary, Gambit, um, to mix success too. Yeah, to yeah. mix success, depending on the ones. Some of them have done very well for themselves. Yes, and we saw a resurgence in harder difficulty games after Dark Souls got big. That difficulty point is its identity. That's what it is. It would be this. It's the same that like when Halo came out as an RTS and people well, were like, that's not Halo. The same will happen to anything that has very strong identity traits and you take traits away. I want to say this, and I think you might even agree. I know that we're using difficulty because it's the word that's thrown out there a lot. But before we finalize this, I think that this is where I stand on this, uh, on, on that even wording. I don't feel like the word difficulty is actually fair for FromSoft because it's not that the games are difficult. They, they honestly aren't. The, the games are not difficult. They demand you to learn how to play them. Well, that's the problem. And that's, and that's not people... difficulty. There's two different it's, things. Yeah. Difficult is like the idea of a bullet sponge, right? Difficult is something like in Destiny where the way that they make the, the game harder, and even in certain games that have difficulty settings, the way they make the game harder, harder and make it more difficult in their mind is by just saying well what if we just take all the same enemies give them 200 percent at health and then we'll make it to where you take double damage and that's what they kind of do right difficulty is about a, an external factor that you can do to raise them up the thing about and this actually ties into another topic that goes into why I don't think an easy mode is necessarily necessary for this, but why I think a few of the other solutions I've heard are a little more of a reasonable ask. And it still comes down to the final point we will get into in a minute as to whether that has to happen or not. But I don't think that the games are difficult. I think that the games have a way that they understand of being played. And all they do is ask that you pay attention to them. You respect what they're trying to teach you and that you just learn from them. The thing is technically very few things in life are difficult. What they are is that they ask you to respect the time necessary to master them. 
there are some things that do both. There are some things that are difficult and ask you a lot to master them. There are things that are physically difficult. Learning how to put a roof onto a building is not something that's easy to do, and that's why not everybody does it. Right. But it also, does, it also does take the time to learn how to adequately do it. It's not something that everyone can do. You know, you can say that learning how to walk is difficult. I mean, but really it's not. Learning how to walk is just understanding what it is for most people. And, of course, there are always extraneous circumstances on these. But for most people, it's just, well, walk just demands that you put the time and effort into learning how to walk correctly and then you move into running well guess what running's the same way we all can run some people can run better than other people you know why because they took the time and effort in to understand how to run that run better like Saul said with baseball somebody's put the time and effort in to make sure that they understand how to do and hit a home run they don't just pull in what the home run line is you don't make it easier in that sense because it it pulls it of all sense of reward that comes from it not because it was difficult but because you were dedicated and overcame the ba- the barrier of entry is what I'll even say it is. And some people can say things don't need a barrier of entry, but I think we'll kind of get into that with this last piece. Yeah, like that. which goes into and I think this is really interesting. So so do you want do you want me or do you want to spearhead the, I'll let you spearhead this part. Okay. So I'll spearhead the first one. So the argument I've seen from a lot of people is difficulty specifically and being able to make the enemies easier, but this is ties into what I was just saying. You know, one of the things about that game is a lot of enemies die in one hit, two hits. And definitely, the, well, especially later, and I stuff. mean normal enemies. Yeah, like regular so, enemies. When you're, and that's the majority of the map. If you really think about it, uh, you know, even the way those games work is that everything can kill you, but you can kill it just as quickly as it can kill you. It's all about are you going to learn from the lessons that you need. So in the case of parrying, are you going to parry and learn? The game t- tries to tell you that you're supposed to parry. Are you going to parry or not? You know, you see the enemies do it. The enemies block you whenever you go to do it. The game shows you constantly with visual. You know, it shows you visually that, hey, this is what the enemy's doing. Are you going to mimic the enemy so that you can learn how to overcome them or not? But let's pull this into the idea real quick of what people talk about with difficulty of being able to perform the tasks that are required to even perform in the game. And that goes into the idea of people saying that this needs to happen for for disabled gamers. Now, there's two sides of the argument I stand on for this. I think that there's a side of people who say that disabled gamers who lack maybe some form of finger control, muscle control, maybe don't have an arm, maybe they're missing a limb, maybe they're missing a, a, a you know digit specifically, maybe they're only missing one or two fingers, uh, maybe they don't have a thumb, whatever it be. Um, and I think, you know, I'm going to tie this argument back into, th- and I'll go ahead and say where I stand on this one is that that's not a valid argument in the sense of, have you seen, you, you remember we talked about on this on this podcast, that great Microsoft commercial they did, yeah. and it's a little cheesy, but where they have all the kids running the, the street, like he's about to do it. He's about to do it. And what do you see? You see this disabled kid playing this game and beating it. And what it is, is that he, I mean, you could say what you want to. I mean, maybe the, the argument really comes down on this situation. Sony, if they're playing on PlayStation, needs to do more to make a disabled controller. That's a different argument than the game itself needs to do something because what happens is the game has done everything it needs to do. People who are disabled, and plenty of friends that I have, and I actually do have, I have a friend named Derek who literally has a nub on his right side that he uses Brentley. to play games. Uh, yeah, uh, Jordan Leeper, he's got... Jordan Leeper, I don't like yeah, Brentley. Brent's yeah. his cousin. Yeah, Brent's uh, his cousin, yeah. But he, he, he goes down to just a little nub that is right here, right after his forearm, so he doesn't have a hand to play and, with. And do not let and, him poke your sides. Yeah. That hurts. But look, these are people that play video games and, and enjoy doing so because they don't see their disability typically as a barrier of entry. All they see is a game, and they're just learning how to go about doing it. And I've seen people do some amazing, amazing things 
in games that I've had problems doing things in because what did they have? The dedication, the willpower, and just the and, and they're going to sit there and going to do it. They're going to figure it out. There are people that literally have made crazy controllers because of that fact. You know, and I don't I, I, th- I don't think it's fair to say that. And again, you could argue that for those disability for those people with disabilities, whatever it be, who do want the original challenge to be able to overcome that adding the easy mode still gives them the ability to do it because it's just a mode. What, you know, a lot of people talk about the social idea around something. And if you want the social idea around something to be that disabled people have to have it be, and I, I, I genuinely mean this. If you're telling me that you think that disabled people have to have things at an easier way for them to be able to do it, even if you think the original thing exists, it's going to create the social stigma that disabled people need easier abilities to do things. And it, and it, takes away their ability to overcome these things or at least feel like they're able to and it sets a it sets a stigma i'm trying to get the word you it sets a standard essentially to where potentially people who are growing up disabled and are figuring this out if we get into a point where at one point these disabled people are saying well from what i'm hearing from society i'm supposed to expect things to be easier for me because i'm disabled and i should never think that i should be able to overcome my disability and do something and that's my personal stance on it and say what you will i know i'm not disabled but i know plenty of people who are and i know that those people that i do i've talked to them about this in other things it wasn't specifically about gaming even though i've talked to some of them about gaming because they do they do game it's about the ability for them to overcome things and that's what helps them feel like they're not different. I mean, they're not, you know, what I mean is that they're still normal. They're just different. Not different in a negative way. They're just different. But they've been able to work with that difference and, and be able to overcome it and it doesn't matter. It's the same sense of euphoricness for them as it is for us when we do it. And it's just, why should you take that away from people and set a standard where that's there? But the flip side of that argument real quick, do you want to add anything to that before I go to the flip side? Because this is more of the side of why I don't think it's necessary for people who are disabled. Well, I was just going to say very, very similar to what you did and almost and, parrot it. And that's that I, I know disabled people too. We both do some of the same people sure. as a matter of fact. And what really kind of irritates me, and this is personal because this is, like I said, this is all personal experience. I see more people saying, what about disabled people who aren't disabled? Then I see an outcry of people who are disabled who want this changed. Yeah. And that's the big problem is that like, and to I, me, that's almost a dehumanizing thing to do because I, I, I browse a Sekiro subreddit, the PS4 subreddit, the Xbox, which all this other stuff is very, very uncommon. And if I've ever even seen it, that somebody who comes out who is disabled, who actually is asking for something and by that, I mean, like, somebody's asking for help with the controller mod. And in which, I can't remember who did it, but a company was literally, they put a setting in their game for this person because of his disability. Mm-hmm. And in a patch. And then there was another company who made this guy a controller specifically on how to play. Or so yeah. he can't play. Yeah. And, and now that's, thankfully, that barrier is getting pulled exactly. down by people like Microsoft making controllers with that in mind. Right. Uh, so then and, the barrier of entry is not being able to use the controller. The barrier because that that's a different argument. Well, it really is. If you say, "Well, I can't play Sekiro because the controller I have doesn't have the ability for me to use my limited muscles or whatever," that's a different argument. That's not Sekiro's fault. That's the PlayStation. That's yeah. That's really the fault Microsoft of PlayStation for not created. having an easy accessibility for you to be able to do that, like Microsoft has at this point. And if you want to leverage that complaint, that's a whole different complaint. And I think we can have a way more productive conversation. About about what that is than this but yeah, go ahead well and that's and that to just close off my my stance with that with specifically disabled and, and, and accessibility things is that stuff 
that every disability is so wide in range and range and what it affects and how it affects and what you can and can't do. That ties into the other side of the argument is that there's more than one. So we're actually in this sense, I do, I guess we the should transitioning specify. Into we're saying that this is more on the side of people who have physical disabilities that may make them physically unable to do these things. Right. Well, I don't know how, no, I don't I really mean, know what you call them disability wise, but to, to, we won't go into it well, just I mean, yet, just like, but I, the flip side of them are things like people who are colorblind or something like that. And that's a little bit of a different thing. And they're still the, the main point, still but a disability colorblind is still, I mean, you can consider it a disability if you want to. I don't I actually it, know. I think, it, I think, I think it is. I think it's like, considered a disability. From, from a, yeah. From a national like standpoint, yeah. it is like, so there are things like that. There are people who, I mean, it, I, I can't think of a lot of them off the top of my head, but there I mean, are definitely people, there are definitely disabilities that go in a completely different direction than saying that you're arthritis and yeah. stuff like that, where you're like your hands lock. Well, up, I would still like, consider that essentially a phys- that that airs on the side of people who are missing. What are you it's, talking it's about? It's some then? kind of well, what I mean, like colorblind is something that. So it's a, no one can tell. No I, one knows you have that. Oh, okay. But it's there, and it does affect the way you play games. So something that's not visible in a sense. Essentially. Well, that's that's hard for like because we're talking about specifically fingers and hands. Well, yeah, yeah. But that's why I say there's two sides of this argument. So the argument that we're on right now is to why I don't think it, it's for people who have physical disabilities or things you can see or whatever it be. I mean, things that, that you can audibly or you can notably tell that that's going on for them. They don't have that, but I guess this is a great time to transition to another thing. For certain people, and I really want to bring this up, for certain people, and this was on the Twitter thread, uh, and it was a follower um, that I'm not used, I, I, don't, I don't recognize him off the top of my head, so I definitely want to go look at it real quick. Um, but essentially what he was talking about is he has different things for him that go into it, and I, and I feel for those and I understand it, but going more into the idea of things that you can't control, I do like the idea that, like, there's nothing you can do necessarily. I say nothing. I, I, and that may show that there's a, I have a little bit of a lapse in knowledge on things that you can completely do to get over these things. But like, you know, what are you going to do? You can get a controller, a special controller made or I whatever. If you can use the Xbox accessibility controller on PS4. Well, okay. Like what I mean by that is could PlayStation implement a colorblind mode themselves or does it have to be done on the game side? And I think it probably has to be done on the game side because yeah. it's based off the colors you use. I um, think so. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, if we're wrong on that. Okay, so this is Jay Phantom Bane, and I want to read his off because I think it's interesting. I like the idea of adding accessibility options like adding better visual or vibration cues when an enemy is about to attack so people can grasp when to parry. I personally have a disability that affects my hands when they constantly, uh, affects my hands, they constantly shake and get worse in intense situations. Um, let me see, he replied to that somewhere. Where was the two out of two? Hold up. See, yeah, go ahead and finish that up so I get full. Yeah, I want, I want to try and find it. Oh, I, uh, I read somewhere that Celeste had an option that slowed certain sections down and added an extra jump. Maybe impends. So, so this one goes towards that. I'm sorry. This wasn't the one I was thinking about. Somebody put one up that was talking about things like colorblind aspects, and it may have been on Facebook. It was Koi Live on um, uh, our Patreon, wasn't it? Very top one. Well, Koi Live is on Twitter, so let me find that. That's what I'm saying. Koi Live uh, on I Twitter. think the opposite is incredibly important from an accessibility standpoint. I've done a whole rant on accessibility in video games. Just put a disclaimer on the lower difficulty, like Celeste's assist mode, uh, and how it's not developer intended someone to, to it, play it. That's actually a reasonable point, and that goes before the main point of what the developer wants to do. But not adding in lower difficulty accessibility options is just a giant middle finger to those who can play the game, who can't play the game otherwise. Muscular problems, arthritis, tics, or mentally slow can all prevent someone who wants to play from playing the game. And again, 
I, I, I really have, do genuinely feel on all these. I get that that's why it I, comes down yeah, to it. Yeah, I understand. And, like, I, I feel bad that those people cannot, like... Uh, I feel more... I feel bad they can't experience the same things we can. And I really, I'd say I feel bad that they don't feel like that they can... If, 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 for those people, if there's someone who legitimately looks at this game and says, I don't feel like I can do it because of this, this, and this, I more than anything feel bad that for whatever reason... And I genuinely don't know what their reasons would be, whatever their back end reason is. But if they genuinely feel like they can't overcome those things to play this, and that's incredibly unfortunate. But there's there's a level of a lot of things can be overcome with enough dedication. And I just think, and this does tie into one specific thing. This is art above, and and, and we've talked. People have talked about this for a long time, and sometimes you get tired of hearing people saying that video games are art and this and that, but Video games are a creation of somebody. This is something that somebody sat down and said, this is what I'm going to make. And the, and the whole team comes in and says, we agree that this is what we want to make. This is a team effort. We're all working towards building this one product as we see it. And when it goes well, like I think it did in Sekiro's case and like it does in a lot of the Dark Souls games, what you get is a game that is obvious. It exudes these, these like... You know exactly what it is before you technically even play it. Like you know what to prepare yourself for. Yeah, and, like, and from software have done such a good job of that that you know what you're getting into and you can always see it, it exudes that character. Yeah. And, and, and from it's software's equation, identity. it's like, man, these people knew out of the gate they wanted a game that wasn't difficult. They wanted a game that forced you to learn it. They wanted a game that you had to stop what your preconceived notions of what games are supposed to be are and that we want to make you force you to think another way so that you can overcome this and you will feel the greatness of what it feels like to overcome these things. And Saul, this goes back to your article you were talking about. The life lessons you can get from that are great. The yeah. lessons you can take away from this and going, sometimes you need to be patient. Sometimes I, you need to be aggressive. Sometimes you need to work and put the time and effort in well, for something to work. Sometimes you got to look at your mistakes and realize what you're doing wrong to be able to fix it to be able to fix the problem at hand i posted in discord before i even uh before all this even came out about sekiro uh, was that i finally beat a boss i was stuck on and my heart was pounding more so than any other dark souls boss ever like any no video game gave me an adrenaline rush like that did sure and i was literally shaking with like excitement i had no more healing gourds left i was at you couldn't even see my health barely and it was a boss that has multiple phases or two phases and then I finally beat this, uh, the, the very surprising second phase of it. And I was like, that was cool. I was shaking with excitement. Yeah. No other game does that. And to kind of wrap all this all up, inclu with including accessibility and everything as well, is that I feel really... Like, I feel for those people who have the disabilities and you can't experience things the same way that I can. And that's such a broad statement because everyone uh, or every person with a disability is so it's so different from the, the from the next. And there's no way that I can even uh, imagine what you go through because anybody listening, it could be so different than the next. And it's 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 such a broad thing to say. So, like, I really do feel for those. And I, I, I wish that there was a way to do this. I don't think that forcing a game dev to change something is the right way to do it. Because then that's going to lead down the road. And the, the biggest thing that we've seen in the past 10 years out of any other thing, any other hobby I've ever seen, is that when you get people who are trying to change the way a game developer does things... When you get enough people and enough devs to finally do it, 
The ones that don't, even for very solid reasons, that don't change are looked at as bad guys. This is a perfect example of that. Yes. And you know, it's, this... It's, it's, it's one of those things that, like, there are so many people... This didn't happen with Dark Souls 3. Yeah, it didn't. This didn't happen with Bloodborne. But the goalpost continues to move. Yes. And the yeah. more and more that people try to lobby for change over something that is currently something that has been going on for the past 10 years now as a series has stayed the same just now because a change doesn't mean change should happen. And that that's why I hate saying that because like I said, I feel for those people who can't play the game because of this. And I really do. Yeah. And and like I said, I think there's no, it's what you said time and time before is that if you start taking a mile or an inch, where does it stop? And and I will say I know there's a ton of people who hate that argument, but it, there is there is something to the argument of, and a lot of people refer to it as the slippery slope argument, but it's real. There are certain there's certain areas in everything where there has to be a line where you go, well, this one doesn't quite make sense. Why are we trying to change something like this? And somebody's already I mean, people are saying there are plenty of games that cater to this. There are there are plenty of developers and publishers out there that go, we want our game to be playable by as much people as possible. And the way to the, the way to do the change that you want, honestly, is and, and in terms of if you want to not force, but if you want to really get businesses to get behind the idea of doing these changes and being behind and going me as a publisher, you know, Activision could have as a publisher said, Hey, we want to fund Sekiro, but if we're going to fund it and we're going to publish it, we feel we, we demand because it's in our area. We demand that there be difficulty settings and accessibility options. Then bam, what it could do is from software could go, well, do we want to put that in our game? And if we do, then we'll go ahead and go with Activision. And maybe this is an eye-opening experience that we didn't think of before, but you know, we're okay with it. Maybe it's not a big deal versus their ability to go. That's just not the game we want to make. No hate, no harm, no foul, but that's not what we're wanting to do. That's not really who we are as developers. That's fine. We're going to go with someone else to make this game because it just it, it, they fit what we want. And it's, it's a more beneficial partnership because we are both on the same page. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that it's fair. I think Ubisoft as a company has done very well about colorblind modes and different things like that, difficulty settings being whatever it is. A lot of companies like PlayStation have come even come to the point where a lot of their games will either launch or have eventually add uh, a difficulty setting that essentially lets you just play the story. Right. And that makes sense on a game that's so story-driven. Like Steve Biddo said, is the world and story worth experiencing on its own, or is the or is the drive for the game the primary thing, the difficulty, which and, and, or, and or every, some some other external factor that can't be changed so easily, right? Which in every from case is is, is the difficulty, that, yeah. It's so the draw, it's the identity, it's the what I mean by that is that we've already seen Sony has gotten to a point where for the most part they're just going to let their games come out and have that accessibility option it seems like a lot of their developers are into that anyway so they're just letting it happen but what you see is the difference is while you're letting that happen people can support those decisions and if From Software feels like there comes to a point they go well you know what we might and and you could say whatever it is but if this is the reason for the change and you see it as a positive it doesn't matter what the catalyst was for it if From Software goes from a business decision it does not make sense for us to not include these accessibility options because we'll be priced out of the market by everybody else who's doing it, then that's on them to make that decision or not. And then it's on us as consumers to support that decision or not. And what it comes down to is it shouldn't be you lobbying for other people to not buy the game, which thankfully I've not seen anybody do that. No one's saying not buy the game. Yeah, I'm glad I haven't seen that either. Essentially what people are saying instead is that From Software should fix this. Now, I think there's two things. I think if you wanted to tell me that you think 
that it's unfortunate that it's not there and that you wish it was in there, but that was the end of that conversation, that's fine. That's I a would, reasonable I statement. I would honestly agree if with you If your secondary statement was that you hope in their next game that From Software takes this criticism and makes a game that includes these things, also fine. Because what that means is that From Software can look and they go, whatever we make next, we want to make it the way that, you know, we want to make it something that's close to what we want, close to what the fans want, and we're going to make it from the ground up with this thought process in mind. And instead, what causes, what changes there? is it gives the creator, like Ryan said, this goes back to Ryan's tweet. It's my favorite one, and I'm so glad he said it because it's the way I truly feel. It is a work of creation. It is somebody's idea, and actually in this case, it's a team of people's idea, and those ideas are all coalescing and coming together, and they make a great product, and some people are not going to enjoy that product for a number of reasons, be it because they don't like the difficulty. Maybe they don't like the I've, gameplay design. I've said it time Maybe they don't time. like the enemy design. I've said it before in the podcast way back when, and I'll bring it up again. When someone creates a story, it is their, their work of art, and you should never, ever, ever you shouldn't have critically try to change their work of art. And the main example I always lead with that is that there are so many people requesting a female link. Yeah. Don't like don't mess with that person's story in that expanse. Why not just play a Zelda? Request a Zelda game instead where you actually play a Zelda. It's the same concept of the feminine being the the the, the heroine or the heroine. The yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That, yeah. Having a heroine yeah, thinking, instead of a hero. Yeah. And it's the, it, it it still does that. It does it well. And it does it within the it does it within the confines of existing lore, right? Uh, because you could easily play as any time when uh, as Zelda, because she does magic. She she well, does she's and she could be the, the the. There's a little more than that too. I'd say the game that one of the game. There's two ways that can go too. I mean, they could if whoever creates Zelda on their own says, you know, it'd be really cool. A Zelda game where you play a Zelda. No, if somebody says it's you know it'd be really cool if we made a Zelda game and this time Link was a girl, but and this all happens on their own. Again, what I mean by that is that this is an artist creation, and it doesn't matter where he does. If he well, comes, if if whoever's making the game, who's spearheading the game, comes and says you know it'd be really out there, and again this comes down to a team's idea, and there's people that are going to support this decision, and, and that will determine whether they go this way. But the way to tie that into like a Zelda thing is what if the person who's going to write the Zelda goes, I got a great idea for a story. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do the first time ever where something's gonna happen. It's gonna be like a glitch in the long running history of. It's always supposed to be like a Link is you know for people who don't know Link is always kind of supposed to be a uh, reincarnation. So it's supposed to be like the the hero is reborn. The hero is reborn. It's and always this time it gets reborn into Zelda. Yeah, for some reason yeah. it gets or whatever. Even if it's a girl, it doesn't matter. But if they're doing that on their own and they kind of come into that, that's fine. I don't. The thing is that a lot of people think that they're going to pressure people into these changes. Yeah, and, and I'm seeing. And now, happen. thankfully, I'm not it seeing. It pushes people away. I'm not seeing too much of that on Sekiro. I've actually seen pretty reasonable examples of people saying, "This is what I think it should be," and I really think that from yeah. software should change this. But they're not saying change or die. Essentially, I, you know I've what I mean. I've seen a couple of things and a couple of extremists, especially on Twitter, saying stuff about Sekiro that's like just shut up. <laughs> like I don't want to get. On, I, I, there are times I want to get on Twitter on our profile and just be like, no. This is stupid. And, but like for me, is it goes back to like, stop putting the blame on individual games. Blame Sony for not having a controller. Because at reality, you could play the game at hand, just not with a controller provided to you by Sony. Well, in, in some cases. In or other in some cases, cases yeah. In, yeah. In other cases, like they said, like, like colorblindness and stuff. Now, that colorblindness and dialogue. Like or subtitle dialogue should mm-hmm. be always a standard thing for those who are deaf and who are those who can't see certain yeah. colors. And in those situations, I agree that if somebody was, if somebody came, there's levels 
what we mean by that is that we're not just hard no on saying that there can't be any improvements to Sekiro, but it's that we don't agree that don't anybody agree. should be able to force them to do it. I don't, so well, if, I don't if, agree on difficulty being a, a changeable thing. Like, well, what I mean by that vision. is I agree that somebody has the right to say that that's their opinion and that no, they can say that they would wish that moving forward from software will think that, or even of if course, they go, yeah, I wish like that. that from software, I wish that from software will look at this and then think forward to go, you know what? Let's go ahead and add that difficulty well, that's, mode. That's a given. Yeah. Like everybody is entitled to their opinions and I'll even agree that, <laughs> Those opinions, it's like, when you're well, asking for a force change. Mine. Yes, while they're not my opinions, I can still respect you as a person and because sure. of the way you presented your opinion. But if you're yeah. one that says, "Oh, well, from software should go die in a hole because they hate disabled people for not putting this in their game." You're the bad apple. Yeah. You, and, you, well, you're taking something to an illogical extreme. Right, and it's it that's become the big thing lately with just and and Blake said this on the Discord. I do think it's important to say it. The vast majority has not been that, thankfully. No, like 99.9% have been the solid ones that I can agree upon, that I can have a conversation with. That you can understand where they're coming from. And even if we disagree, we can just respect each other's opinions and go, okay. 99.9% of people. There's that 0.1% that I've seen that are just human trash. Yeah. And and and, I, and even on both sides, for the people that just want to, you know, throw out literally just get good over and over again, and not just once and saying, like, get good and doing like you're talking about where that breaks down into, like, well, given I'm, time, it's saying. But there are people who I'm just, just literally jump to every single thing and just reply, get good, get good, I'm get just good. A, that's that's gonna, being toxic, but that's toxic behavior. It doesn't make get good itself toxic. I'm you gonna, know what I mean? I'm going to warn you, if you're ever going to look for help on any Dark Souls game, or any game of its series, you're going to see that comment 100%. You are. And that's just, and then. But it doesn't have to be toxic. That's well, all well, I'm. Well, you know, at the end, what's going to happen is that you're going to play the game and you're going to get good at it and you're going to feel accomplished when you meet a boss you can't beat. And then next time you see somebody ask how to beat you're that You're going to become a get-gooder. You're going to, you're going to chuckle to yourself and be like, <laughs> get good. But thank you all for tuning in to episode 106 of Triangle Squared. Once again, you can catch us every yeah. Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, noon central time. And uh, as always, let us know in the comments, Discord, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, what you thought of the show. And we will see you guys back for episode 107. Absolutely. And mail as well. Yeah, and let us know what you think about all this in general. We can kind of do a post-mortem in next week's section if we get a lot more that we hear back of, of more arguments and things. But uh, I, I'll, I'll leave with this. Do you feel like the opinion, and in my opinion it is, do you feel like the major thing that matters the most is whether or not the developer themselves wants to do it determines whether or not it should be done because it's their work. If you agree with that, let me know. If you disagree, let me know why. I, I genuinely want to hear why. I'm not saying that I have to be right. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, anywhere, we don't mean a suggestion. anywhere where you think we're wrong, I'm open to hear why you think we're wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're just people that take in information. And if you really think we're wrong, let us know why. I mean, genuinely, I, you know, we're not coming into this trying to offend anybody or say anything. No, Maybe yeah. we have some odd ideas that we don't realize aren't supported by something or that we're missing some information. If so, feel free to put that information out there, but yeah, let us know what you think. And then we'll just, uh, we'll see you guys next time for episode one Oh seven. So thanks. It's been tranquil squared. Thank you guys. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Blow, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Blake Popes, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, and Coy Live. If you would like to support us, you can do so by going to the link in the description. Thank you.